I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. Last week, after SmackDown went off the air, there was a blockbuster trade between Raw and SmackDown. It involved 11 WWE superstars. For more information, go to WWE.com. Now, my guest this evening, the newest member to the Raw roster, Chavo Guerrero. Good day, good day. Hola, Chavo. My first question is, did you do something different? What did you call me? Chavo. Chavo. Well, that's the first thing different about me. I'm no longer known as Chavo. See, as Chavo, my achievements haven't really lived up to my ability. There's no question that my ability has always been up here. But my achievements have kind of been down here. Now I know, let's be honest, there's only one place to put the blame and, and that's um, Hispanic people. No, yeah, yeah. The Hispanic people have done nothing but support me and stand behind me all over the world. But you and I know what real America thinks about the Hispanics. And I started thinking about it and that perception has done nothing but rub off on me and. And, and hold me down, hold me back. So I have decided to denounce my Hispanic heritage. And I've decided to join middle class America. Apple pie, 4th of July, that's, that's, that's now me. I've also decided to not be known as Chavo Guerrero. I have legally and proudly changed my name to Kerwin White. Yeah. Maria, is it? What, what, what is that? What nationality is that? It's oh, oh, I know exactly what that is. That's, that's, that's stupid. Just like you. Stupid. The July 4th holiday, Independence Week, Thankful for our freedom, paying tribute to our soldiers, the flag, hot dogs, apple pie, barbecue, and what does WWE think? This week in 2005, to celebrate that, we'll start a major racist storyline with Kerwin White, Chavo Guerrero, throwing down the Guerrero name and his heritage to be like middle white America. Makes you wonder where this storyline would have gone if Eddie didn't pass. Just as, as you will hear in this show later on, it makes you wonder what would have happened with the WWE version of ECW if RVD and Sabu did not fuck up. This week in wrestling history, what's up everybody? Season 2, episode 27, Don Tony here once again. This week we covered a period of July 2nd through July 8th. And before I go any further to our great military, thank you for our freedom. 1982 fantasy match. Champion versus champion. One promotion versus another. Who is the heavyweight champion of the world? It's happened. 
many times over the last bunch of decades. Most recently, we had, even though it's all WWE, we had Kofi Kingston, who was a SmackDown Heavyweight Champion and WWE Champion, versus Seth Rollins, who was the Universal Champion. A lot of people were upset that we didn't have a clear-cut winner. It never happens that way. I was shocked when Harley Race lost as the NWA Heavyweight Champion, the Backlund. I, I don't remember if it was a DQ or a countout, but usually it ends up in a double DQ, a no contest, a double countout, and we had that happen this week in 82. Big time match. I wanted to see it for years. In fact, I would still love to see it, even though I don't believe it was recorded. Uh, Ric Flair, who was the NWA Heavyweight Champion at the time, versus Bob Backlund, who was the WWF heavyweight champion at the time. Now, how did this all go down and what ended up transpiring? Plain and simple. You know, w, uh, WWF, Vince McMahon Sr., who was still at the helm, uh, did a little cross-promotion with NWA, Georgia Championship Wrestling. They sent Bob Backlund to Atlanta, Georgia to have a match against Ric Flair at the Omni. And, um, you know, as people said back then and still say it now, the greatest promo cutter arguably in the history of wrestling versus the worst promo cutter in arguably in the history of pro wrestling and when i say that no i don't believe backlund is the worst ever i there have been wrestlers over the years who were in wrestling for a cup of coffee that were tremendously worse but if you're talking about someone who is a long you know long time wrestler hall of famer you put Bob Backlund's babyface career at this time up against probably every other wrestler in the Hall of Fame, with the exception of maybe a luchador or somebody who didn't speak English, you didn't have much worse at the time. And Bob Backlund was one of my favorites growing up. I fucking loved his championship reign. I don't know what the fuck. I mean, I understand why Billy Graham and a few others have complained over the years. They envied the fact that Backlund got all those years as champion and they wanted it. But as, as a fan, I always say, watch the house shows when Backlund defended the title. Listen to that crowd fucking erupt. They, weren't, they didn't have a gun to their head. They didn't have to cheer like that. They really got into it. So, again, the magazines covered this. I wanted to see it for years. I didn't even know what transpired in the match. We ended up reading what was written in the magazines, but they kind of kept it on a neutral playing field. Little did we know years later that they fought 45 minutes to an hour and they never clicked. The match was actually pretty bad. But... Um, as I said earlier, the greatest promo cutter versus the worst. Bob Backlund, even though he was one of my favorites growing up, even as a kid, he sucked on the mic, in my opinion. It was just, you know, if you were too young, you'd fall asleep for real. It's like his soft, you know, just just monotone voice and his stuttering and his long pauses. And you want to hear a great example of it? Right before they had their match. At the Omni, Gordon Soley interviewed Ric Flair and Bob Backlund at the same time. They actually, I think, had two or three promos, but I got one for you just to give you how drastic their promo abilities were at the time. Now, you didn't expect Backlund to go, you know, I'm the champion. Woo! No, but man, was he just... 
<laughs> oh, you almost felt like, I mean, he was, never took drugs, but you almost felt like he was on Xanax big time before every interview. And right now, then, it's my pleasure to have with me the NWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, Ric Flair. And in a moment, I hope to have uh, on the other side of this podium, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Champion, Bob Backlund. Interesting uh, note on these two gentlemen. Although Mr. Flair is not, I don't believe, originally a native of Minnesota, you're making your home in Minnesota and went to the University of Minnesota. And Bob Backlund, of course, is from Minnesota. Well, that's right. Something that people all around the wrestling world have been waiting to see. It's finally going to be determined. Just who is the greatest world champion, Bob Backlund or Ric Flair? Because we're from Minnesota, because they both have great amateur backgrounds, has nothing to do with it. He's the Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion. I'm the NWA heavyweight champion. I say I'm better. He says he's better. In a day or so, we'll find out. Well, obviously, this is a, a matter of paramount importance, I think, to wrestling fans the world over. A confrontation, first time ever, uh, between two men of your caliber, uh, of your championship qualities. And I would, would have to imagine that regardless of your professional experience and background or of Mr. Flair's, that there has to be just a little bit of a butterfly uh, working around inside. Oh, sure. Anytime you get something like this together, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of determination. And I want to, I know, uh, I respect my opponent very, very much. He works very hard at what he does. And he's got the NWA title. I've got the WWF title. And uh, when we clash, I'm going to give it 100%. Uh, uh, I, uh, I like to win. I know he's a competitor. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into the ring this, with this man. I think there should be only one champion in professional wrestling. It's been decided in a lot of other sports. The Super Bowl, uh, it decides the champion in football, the, the World Series in baseball. Just about every sport, there's only one champion. Uh, and I think this is a great thing to happen in professional wrestling where us two are going to meet in the middle of that ring. Well, it's like he said, the AFL, the NFL, in baseball, they do it. They bring the two best together every year. Well, we're bringing the two best together once and once only. And I think if you search your soul real hard, Bob Backlund, you'll admit to Mr. Soli and to all these people out there that right now you probably know who the real world champion is. Well, that remains to be seen, Gordon. I'm proud of where I'm at. I work hard at what I do. I spend a lot of time in the gym. I, uh, I do a lot, a lot of traveling, and I, I don't like to lose. I like to win. Uh, it takes a lot of determination. I know he's a tough man, but when we get into that ring, I'm going to forget about all that friendship, all of anything. When we get in that bell rings, it's going to be out there to win. I admire both of you. I respect both of you. You are obviously uh, both the world's greatest wrestlers. There's no question about that. May I just say I would appreciate it greatly uh, when you two do meet. Uh, to determine personally which one of you is the better man. Uh, I hope it's going to be the kind of match that we're all looking forward to, and I would certainly appreciate it if you two would uh, care to shake hands. And may I just say, may the best man win when you do meet. Well, obviously, we both feel this is the ultimate. It's like I said before, the greatest competitors, whether it's the greatest teams or individuals get together, one man can walk away with all the gold and all the glory, and Bobby Backlund... You're a hell of a man, but you're not Ric Flair. Remember that. So, what happened that night at the Omni? 
July 4th, 1982, the Super Destroyer over Tom Pritchard, who is not the doctor yet. Kevin Sullivan over Mr. Saito. Bad Boy Leroy Brown uh, over Big John Studd. Wild Samoans over Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Michael P.S. Hayes. Don Morocco over Dusty Rhodes. Paul Orndorff over Jimmy Snooker. The Mass Superstar over Mr. Wrestling Number 2. Ivan Putsky and Tom Pritchard, who, who took the place of Tommy Rich because earlier in the night, uh, Don Morocco attacked Tommy Rich to set up their feud. Tommy Rich, quote-unquote, was in no condition to wrestle, so Tom Pritchard filled in for Tommy Rich and Pritchard and Putsky defeated Stan Hansen and Ole Anderson. Now, this was an NWA tag title match at the time. Hansen and Anderson were the champs, but this was a DQ finish, so the belts did not change hands. Main event, Ric Flair, who is the NWA world champ, versus Bob Backlund, the WWF champ, double countout. 1983, in fact, we're going to go 83, 84, 85, and 86 with world-class championship wrestling. Trust me, I'll be able to do it in less than two minutes. Every year at this time, they would have their Independence Day version of Star Wars. Early on, they only would have four matches, five matches, and as the year or two progressed, they would add more matches to it because the draw started dwindling down. I mean, they still would draw in decent crowds, you know, up until 84, 85, but you could see how the interest in world class was really starting to diminish. But let me give you the results for those four years, and then we'll get into a few other feds. So, 83, world class. You have Michael Hayes over Iceman King Parsons in a lights out match. Bruiser Brody and Kamala went to a double DQ. You had David Von Erich over Jimmy Garvin to win the vacant world-class Texas title. And the main event, Kerry Von Erich, Kevin Von Erich, and David Von Erich over the fabulous Freebirds. 84, Killer Khan over Mike Reed. Scott Irwin and the Missing Link over Jose Lothario and Buck Pedophile Zumoff. World-class American champion Gino Hernandez retains the title, defeating the always god-awful Jules Strongbow. I was never a fan of Jules Strongbow. Nothing personal against him. He sucked. Kelly Kanitsky over George Weingroff. Fabulous Freebirds over Kerry, Kevin, and Mike Von Erich to win the world-class six-man tag titles. Iceman Parsons over Wild Bill Irwin. As a result, King Parsons won the world-class American tag team titles. He got to choose any tag team partner as of his choice to be co-holder of the tag titles, and he chose the pedophile, Buck Rock and Roll Zumov. I don't believe anybody knew he was a pedophile at the time. I don't even think he may have been a pedophile at the time. You know, later in life, he fucked up his life. Gina Hernandez won a battle royal, which they called a pole battle royal. Chris Adams and Stella May uh, Stella Mae French over Jimmy Garvin and Precious in a Loser Leaves Town steel cage match. 1985, Steve Casey over Jack Victory. Brian Adidas and Jim Powers went to a no contest. The Fantastics over Rip Oliver and Kelly Kanitsky to best two out of three falls match. Uh, you had Kerry Von Erich and the one-man gang uh, fight in a Chicago death match, which was won by Kerry Von Erich. Iceman Parsons over Tim Brooks. The Great Kabuki over Chris Adams. Sunshine over Jim Cornette, who had one arm tied behind his back, and he was blindfolded. Main event, Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez defeat Kerry and Kevin Von Erich. Now, we go to King of the Ring, 1985. First ever King of the Ring. And I tell you, I look at the match times in this, 
pretty impressive because I always brought up the wrestling classic. Remember that debacle? I mean, look, they drew an insane crowd for that. I think it was 1985 also. May have been 85. I think it was 85. But, man, match results, two minutes, three minutes, one minute, 30 seconds. It almost feels like, you know, some of the current Raw product that we have. But this event had 15 matches. King of the Ring, you know, very similar to what we still have when we do have King of the Ring uh, tournaments. And um, let me give you the results. But, you know, before I even give you the results, actually, no, I'll give you the times with the results. Just to show you that, yes, we need promos and little skits and stuff in wrestling today. But when you focus so much on the wrestling, you'd be surprised how much wrestling you could actually get in in, you know, a two or three hour show. Anyway, King of the Ring first round matches. Jim Brunzel over the spoiler in 9-19. Les Thornton over Steve Lombardi in four and a half minutes. Paul Landorf and Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. fought to a double disqualification in 12 minutes, so neither advanced. Pedro Morales over Johnny V in a minute. Tito Santana over Terry Funk by DQ in 13 minutes. The Junkyard Dog loses to Magnificent Morocco in 10 minutes. Iron Sheik over Brian Blair. Uh, anybody that follows Iron Sheik's hatred at the time for Brian Blair, interesting. Eight minutes. You had Ricky Steamboat over Greg Valentine in 20 minutes. Don Morocco opens up the quarterfinals with a win over Les Thornton in five minutes. Jim Brunzel and Tito Santana went to a 20-minute time limit draw. So how did they determine who advanced? They did a coin toss. Jim Brunzel won the coin toss. The Iron Sheik over Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in 10 minutes. The semifinals, Don Morocco over Pedro Morales in 15 minutes. Iron Sheik over Jim Brunzel in seven and a half minutes. And the finals, the Magnificent Morocco defeats the Iron Sheik in 10 and a half minutes to win the King of the Ring. Add up those match times for Morocco. 10 and a half minutes, 15 minutes, and 13 minutes. Not bad. We have one match also that was not part of the tournament. Hulk Hogan retains the WWF Heavyweight Championship, defeating Nikolai Volkov. Same week, we had the Great American Bash take place from Charlotte, North Carolina. Jimmy Valiant over Paul Jones in a dog collar match. Manny Fernandez, Sam Houston, and Buzz Tyler over Conga the Barbarian, Abdullah the Butcher, and Billy Graham. Cowboy Ron Bass and Buddy Landell fought to a draw. Ole and Arn Anderson over Buzz Sawyer and Dick Slater to retain the NWA national tag titles. Crusher Khrushchev and Ivan Koloff versus the Road Warriors went to a double DQ. This was a NWA versus AWA World Tag Team title unification match. See, title versus title, Fed versus Fed, another double DQ. Magnum TA over Kamala to retain the United States Heavyweight Championship. Ric Flair over Nikita Koloff to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. David Crocker was a special guest referee. In the main event, Dusty Rhodes over Tully Blanchard in a steel cage match to not only win the NWA World TV title, but get the services of Baby Doll for 30 days. And if you never saw those skits while Baby Doll was under the control of Dusty, it, they were very entertaining at the time. 1987, Jim Crockett Promotions presents the Great American Bash, first ever War Games match. I know a lot of you out there love that WWE brought it back in NXT. It needs to come back to the main roster. The concept is fun. You can get a lot of people involved in the match, 
And at the same time, you pay a little tribute to Dusty Rhodes, who is the mastermind behind the idea. So anyway, let's get into the results from this event. You had Kendall Wyndham over Gladiator number one. Sting over Thunderfoot number one. Lasertron over Mod Squad Spike. Jimmy Valiant over Mod Squad Basher. Barry Wyndham over Rick Steiner to retain the Western States Heritage title. Ron and Jimmy Garvin over Vladimir Petrov and the Barbarian. The Lightning Express of Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong over the Angel of Death and Big Bubba Rogers to retain the UWF tag titles. Chris Adams over Black Bart. The Fabulous Freebirds over Manny Fernandez, Ivan Koloff, and Paul Jones. The Rock and Roll Express over the Midnight Express. Dr. Death Steve Williams over Dick Murdoch in a Texas death match. And the main event, the War Games. The superpowers of the Road Warriors. Precious Paul Ellering, Dusty Rhodes, and Nikita Koloff. Over the Four Horsemen, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, and Tully Blanchard, and J.J. Dillon. Sounds good. I'll see you at 3.30. 1988, tragedy in the world of pro wrestling. Now, I know at the end of every show, I always pay tribute, a little respect to those who passed away in history. Again, to this one in particular. Actually, I'll get into more than one in this episode because July 4th, uh, early in, back in the day when we were younger, it seemed like it was cursed in wrestling. Not every year they had a tragedy, but you had Brutus Beefcake with his crazy parasailing accident, Joey Morella dying in an auto accident, Adrian Adonis dying in an auto accident. I even think when Vince McMahon got thrown from his motorcycle, it happened on July 4th as well. It happened this week in history. We'll mention it later. But right now, let's focus on the death of Adrian Adonis. Basically, long story short, he was in a vehicle with three other wrestlers, and um, they were driving in Lewisport, Newfoundland, Canada. You had Adrian Adonis in the vehicle, who was a passenger, not driving it. Uh, Mike Kelly, Pat Kelly, and Dave McKinley. Long story short, you know, this is a couple of little tidbits that a lot of places that cover history leave out. Um, you know, I don't know if they still have it now, but in 88, Newfoundland, Canada had double daylight savings time. And what that means is that the sun sets a lot later than you probably are, are used to. In fact, some of you out there who maybe work 9 to 5, 10 to, 10 to 6, maybe till 7, and you're driving home in the summertime, when that sun starts to set, there's a few minutes where it is so glaring in your eyes, you can't see. And what ended up happening, they're driving on a highway and they swerved out of the way to avoid hitting a moose. Now, some of you out there are going to say, a moose? Are you kidding me? No, that's actually not, uh, uh, it's a rare occurrence, but it happens more than you think in that neck of the woods. Hey, anybody lives in New York, you go upstate New York in the Catskills, there's always that risk of a deer running across the highway. And I actually have customers over the years who actually had auto accidents hitting a deer. Imagine hitting a moose. You know, I mean, three to four uh, wrestlers unfortunately died. William Arco, who's the driver, had massive leg injuries. But, you know, accounts later on said that they avoided, they tried to avoid hitting a moose, lost control of their minivan, went off the road into a creek. And if you do a little research on the creek, uh, it was only about a foot deep, but the impact and the fact that they couldn't get out, they were done. Three to four wrestlers. So sad. And, you know, talking about 
what I was saying earlier with double daylight savings time, this accident happened at 9.30 at night. It was still bright out. But again, it's that glaring sun for that few minutes that sometimes you either have to put the visor down, put sunglasses on, or even pull over. You can't see. It's crazy. And sadly, three of the four passed away. 1990, Brutus Beefcake, parasailing accident in Florida. And I tell you, as a young fan at the time, we didn't know if this was legit or not. I mean, we would learn pretty quickly that it was real. But online, there are a series of interviews that Brutus Beefcake has done over the last couple of years where he gets into detail about the parasailing accident. And when you realize, I mean, we know that his face got fucked up. But when he gets into real raw detail as far as what they did with his face, I mean, my God, it's amazing that this guy was able to continue a wrestling career. I know it wasn't the same later on. And my God, the number of gimmick changes, especially in WCW. But you know what? At least he was able to complete his career. And I'm very happy that he's a Hall of Famer. Um, we've had debates over the years before he was put into the Hall of Fame, if he was a Hall of Famer. And I have always said I felt Brutus Beefcake was a Hall of Famer. Not because he was well-known and very popular, but I think he did enough. WCW Great American Bash the same week from Baltimore of Maryland. Vader makes his WCW debut in this match, beating Tom Zink in about, well, I'd say maybe two minutes. Dark match from that night, David Sierra over Mr. X. You have Brian Pillman over Buddy Landell, Mike Rotundo over the Iron Sheik, Doug Furness over Dutch Mantel, Harley Race over Tommy Rich. For the NWA United States Tag Team titles, the Midnight Express, uh, who were the champs? They defeated the Southern Boys of Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers. The Steiner Brothers over the Fabulous Freebirds. In a six-man tag match, the Dudes with Attitude. That's a good trivia question. Anybody wants to stump people. Who are the dudes with attitude? You know what they'll probably think in WCW? Oh, those were the dynamic dudes. No, 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 no. The dudes with attitude were the Junkyard Dog, Paul Orndorff, and El Gigante. Interesting team, right? They defeated the four horsemen of Barry Windham, Sid Vicious, and Arn Anderson by DQ. Lex Luger uh, retains the NWA United States title, defeating Mark Callis. If you don't know who Mark Callis is, do a Google search. That's all I'm going to say. Doom retains the NWA World Tag Team titles, defeating the Rock and Roll Express. In the main event, Sting defeats Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title. 1991. Now we're going to start increasing these audio clips on this show. I teased this a little bit last week. You know, it's not a big deal, but it's a nice moment in history that a lot of people probably never heard before. Look, over the years, RVD and Sabu... Great foes, great tag team, excellent talents. Yeah, fucked up in WWE's ECW years later, which we'll cover in a little bit. But did you know, back in 1991, they actually fought each other in the USWA. Rob Van Dam was only 20 years old at the time. He he was going under the name Rob Zakowski, and Sabu was known in USWA as Samu the Mystery Man. 26 years old at the time. So if you want to see a little precursor of what would be several years later, I'm going to share with you right now from 1991, Rob Sikowski versus Samu the Mystery Man. Samu the Mystery Man in the ring. Rob Sikowski trotting around uh, the ring right now. And 
and he is going to be headed up under the ring apron. Look at him leap into the ring. We're just about set to go with one fall, 10-minute time limit action. I beg your pardon, one fall, 15-minute time limit action. And here's Michael St. John. Thanks, Dave. And it is uh, Samu the Mystery Man. There you see him uh, acting very peculiar in the ring to start things off against Rob Zakowski. Rob has made a sensational debut here in the USWA, but he is getting quite a test today with Samu the mystery man, Samu, uh, very unorthodox in the way he approaches a wrestling match. And of course, Rob Zakowski with that kickboxing training and the uh, martial arts training that he has, this should be a very interesting match. Zakowski with a little kick to the uh, to the head. Samu, uh, uh, looking at the lights, it looks like he is uh, going over towards the referee to ask him about it. But in the meantime, Rob Zakowski goes towards him and Samu, the mystery man, right away seizes the opportunity on Rob. Puts him into the rope, sends him off. Oh, what a nice drop kick. Rob Zakowski catches him with a good drop kick. Takes with the arm twist a step over. Look at this roll. Brings him down to the mat. Looks like may have had him in a pinning combination, but Samu in the ropes and quickly to the floor. Yeah, into the rope, so that stopped uh, the count right there. This Samu, he keeps pointing at the light grid. He's been here before, but I, I think he understands wrestling, uh, but I, I'm not sure he really understands what's going on as far as the television station is concerned. And I, I don't know if he's afraid that there's something strange up there that's going to come get him or what, but uh, look at that. What a nice move as again Zakowski up high with the drop kick, catching Samu upper part of the chest. Arm drag takedowns, the move goes down. These two young fellows are going at each other very quickly and very strongly in this match. Full suplex rolls over Zakowski with the cover. Count of one was all he got. And very quickly, Samu up and looked like he may have gone with a karate chop right to the throat, Dave. I think he did. That slowed uh, Zakowski down there. Rob. Oh. Tremendous speed and agility. Look at that. You never know where he's going to be next. Great move there as he took Samu off his feet. That's something he needed to do. I don't think I've seen two wrestlers go each, uh, at each other any quicker as far as the pace of this match as these two have gone at each other thus far in this match. Samu, second strand of rope, drops down with the knee across the throat of Rob Zakowski and moves in. Got him choked. Referee Paul Neighbors breaking it up very quickly. And Samu with a front chancery dial. Rob Zakowski slowed down a bit. Samu, I think, wanting to get the pace of this match down to his speed. Yeah, I think if he can slow it down, he feels like he would have the advantage there. And uh, that's what he's done to Zakowski. He's got him down. Oh, he only got a count of one. Rolled him over and now uh, reverses it again with that front face lock. Uh, Samu, the mystery man. And I guess that really applies, Dave, because he's a very mysterious individual in the ring. Zakowski trying to speed things up a little bit. Fired him into the rope. Oh, what was that? He had a fist doubled up. He hit him with a fist there. Slowed up Zakowski again. Samu and Zakowski locked up in the center of the ring. Samu, whoa, uppercut that time. Tried him again. Here's Zakowski going for the backslide. Has him rolled up, but he rolled on over. Was unable to hold Samu for any kind of count. It looks like Samu has picked up some of the American style of uh, brawling, if you would, throwing those fists. Look at this! Zakowski with several kicks now onto the chest. Samu goes down. Zakowski rolls him up. One, two, oh, I thought he may have had a three count. I did too. Samu was able to bring those shoulders up, stop the referee's count, and get back to his feet. And now he sends Zakowski flying into the turnbuckles. Caught him with the elbow once he was there. Zakowski again slung across the, around the ring, and there Samu closing in, and Rob moved out of the way. Good smart move by Rob Zakowski there. 
Bukowski going to climb the upper way. Here's Judge Dredd, and Judge Dredd just came out. The partner of Samu and tripped Zakowski up off that top strand of rope. Samu using the bottom rope for leverage got a three count. And Samu, with a lot of help from Judge Dredd, just beat Rob Zakowski. Zakowski had things going uh, rather well there. Samu found himself in trouble after having a moment where he was controlling things. And so all of a sudden, his regular tag team partner, Judge Dredd, comes running out. As Zakowski was climbing the ropes, ready to leap down on Samu, Judge Dredd shoved him. And that was it. Sam, who also used the ropes. Rob, we saw what happened there. Sorry, but uh, yeah, we did. You, you looked like you had it going, but you end up losing it because of a Judge Dredd. That's not the right way to lose. That's not fair. I got to have a rematch. I can beat Sabu. I know I can. That isn't right. You saw what well, happened. Yeah, yeah. I, and I understand you're wanting a rematch there. I, what? Uh, of course, I can't make a rematch. What I, what I guess you need to do is get with Eddie Marlin. And, uh, Where's let, he at? I, I got to have this. Well, he'll, he'll be back uh, back somewhere. I don't know. Maybe Eddie is, uh, is around. I don't see him here. But uh, anyway, Eddie is the one you need to talk to to get the rematch. And I certainly understand. And I'll be... Comes, uh, there he comes right now. I'll be glad to tell you. Eddie, I don't know if you saw the monitor or not. Judge Dredd came out here. I've seen what happened. And I'll do everything. You saw what happened. Yes, sir. And I agree with you. You're fine wrestler and you've been doing everything just like you should be doing you fight biding by the rules and i'll yeah. do everything in my power to get you another match next week next week yes sir thank okay. you all right Talking very good all right so a rematch is coming up thank goodness so maybe judge dread can be kept out of the action at that point well we got a lot more to go here we'll be back with it after this you would not recognize rvd if you saw him in 91 or if you even heard him in 91, maybe he sounds a little bit more like him now, but if I didn't tell you who that was and I played his promo at the end, I, something tells me a lot of people would say I have no fucking idea. And I should also add that Samu, the mystery man, was wrestling barefoot. 1993, the Lex Express begins. Happened on the USS Intrepid in New York City. You know, celebrating Independence Day. You know, at the time, Yokozuna, big time heel, you know, against the U.S. We believed he was from Japan. And they decided to do a little bit of a body slam challenge. And it was cool because you have members of our military interacting with wrestlers all day long. I think they had a tug of war earlier in the day. You had um, maybe a football player or two try to body slam Yokozuna. Maybe somebody from our military, if I recall. But obviously, only one man was able to body slam Yokozuna. Now, Hogan body slamming Andre was awesome for WrestleMania. Not the first time Andre's ever been body slammed, but Yokozuna. You just look at him and his mass, especially that he was shorter. You just felt like, my God, could anybody legitimately, like, and yes, Yoko pushed himself off, which is why I talk about how important the legs are in wrestling. But to this week in 93, Lex Luger come off the elevator at that time, still a heel, pushes Bobby Heenan aside, fucking body slams Yokozuna. The Lex Express begins within a, a week we found out that his fucking bus was going to go to Connecticut, Washington, D.C., New York, Philly, Boston, Syracuse, upstate, downstate, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Milwaukee, blah, 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 blah. He goes on and on and on. And his tour would finish up August 30th at SummerSlam. We all thought he was going to win the heavyweight title. 
still to this day, I'm baffled. I mean, I understand why it didn't happen, but I'm still baffled that it didn't happen. But anyway, if you want to reminisce a little bit, let's flash back to 1993. Oh, a couple of quick minutes. It's not a very long segment. It's not even five minutes long. Lex Luger body slams Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid. Check out this big, strong guy from Kona, Hawaii. He shocked the whole world almost by getting this guy, Yokozuna, up further than anybody did to this point. Unbelievable, the 300-pounder crush had the support of the capacity crowd. Last week, he uh, slammed Bastion Booger, too, so he was on a roll. And then the stare down. Crush. He's got the height advantage. Having the height advantage, yes. And with leverage, the man from the 50th state, the original Hawaiian crush. The punch, yes, the crush. Look at him, he was puffed, he was ready, and there he goes. No, no. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Let's do it for America. And there was one man left. Randy Macho Man Savage. Savage. Two-time champion. If there's anybody at that ring that has more determination and more guts that would want to slam him more than anybody, that's the man right there, the Macho Man. Randy Savage, the Macho Man, had tremendous support from the capacity crowd. And look at this, ready to go. Come on, Savage, try. Try, lift him. He can't do it. It can't be done. I guess at this time... It appeared as though Yokozuna, in fact, had humiliated America. He had embarrassed the professional athletes who attempted to slam him on board the USS Intrepid, the last of which was the macho man Randy Savage, who wanted to have one more go. A round of applause for the competitors. Asked for by Todd Pettengill, the host, and then from there, something happened on board the Intrepid. Something happened on America's birthday. One more competitor would arrive, chartering a helicopter. One more competitor would step forward and attempt to save what had been indeed an embarrassment for America. As Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji looked on wondering just who had the gall, who had the audacity at the very last moment to step forward. Fans couldn't believe their eyes as they said, no, could it be? Yes, it was Lex Luger. Lex Luger, who had always been proud of himself. We found out on that day he was proud of America as well. And with a look of determination in his eyes, he made his way to the ring, shoving Bobby Heenan aside, shoving anyone aside who would stand in his way. He was America's last hope, the last chance of America for someone to step forward. Or would Luger be embarrassed like all of the other competitors as the capacity crowd began to chant, Lex, Lex, you know he could feel their spirit. He could feel the power of the thousands of fans who had turned out on America's birthday. contest is over, and you're too late. But was it too late? Ever since King of the Ring, I had an itch under my skin, and it became a rash. What you are is a cancer, and the World Wrestling Federation 
Everybody wants to know, wait a second. Everybody wants to know what's wrong with America. There's nothing wrong with America. What's wrong with America is blood-sucking leeches like you and overstuffed sushi-eating, rice-chopping wrestler you call a champion. He's a disgrace to the World Wrestling Federation. The only thing wrong with America is you and we're gonna clean house right here, right now. Mr. Fuji spat on Lex Luger as if he was spitting on America. And with that, Mr. Fuji went for the ride he'll never forget. And Lex Luger began to prepare. Prepare, yes, for the slam. Prepare for the attempt. And the look of intensity in his eye told the whole story. And then from there it happened, the 550-pounder charge. Luger ducking out of the way, nailing Yokozuna with a six-inch steel plate in the forearm. And from there, yes, yes, it was unbelievable. Lex Luger had done it. Lex Luger had accomplished the impossible. He slammed the 550-pound champion down to the mat. the USS Intrepid. And yes, this was what it's all about. America and Lex Luger would not be denied the celebration of her birthday. Thousands of fans on board the USS Intrepid saluting the great country we live in and saluting one of the great competitors who stepped forward to be counted on July 4th. Sunday, America's birthday. And a big man went down on July 4th, right here on the Express. Wrapping up 1994, uh, you know, we had an awesome debut of a very controversial tag, tag team at the time, and we had another tragedy. First off, the tragedy, Joey Morella, son of Gorilla Monsoon, referee in the WWF at the time, had a very serious auto accident, and um, you know he would pass away because of it. Uh, just absolutely terrible. Um, I was reading some newspaper articles, doing some research this week, and uh, you'd be surprised how many people actually covered this nationwide. Adrian Adonis' coverage was massive. There's even some news clips still on YouTube uh, from back in the day. But the same week, we had the controversial debut of New Jack and Sheik Mustafa in uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. They debuted as the gangsters. And you just remember, you know, this is from the South playing the race card. It was just a really, really, uh, I don't want to call it fascinating, but it was a wild time in Smoky Mountain Wrestling once the gangsters showed up. We talked about the controversy when Undertaker made that appearance at the time. They were going to do the fucking flag match. There was just so much crazy shit to the point where I think they had to put a little disclaimer uh, when they had the gangsters come out on the TV. That's how controversial this became so quickly. So let's flash back 1994. The gangsters make their Smoky Mountain Wrestling debut. Here they are. We get our first opportunity to talk to them. The new tag team on the block of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Impressive they are. The gangsters. New Jack. Let me tell you something. 30 years ago, we would have been strung up in somebody's tree. 
getting hung for beating two white boys the way we just did. But now you might want to come out here and put some belts on us, but the only belts we're going to be wearing around here is the tag team belt. Let me tell you something. I don't like being up here. I was getting out of my car. I slipped and fell. It's a tobacco spit. And you know what I'm saying? Nothing but rednecks up here. Nothing but geese up here. Nothing but coal miners up here. Chicken farmers, clansmen. I don't like nobody but my partner. You understand? I don't care who you line up in front of me. I'm going to show you how bad New Jack and Mustafa is. You want to talk about violence? Violence to you might be pushing by in the figure four. Violence to me is taking a can of gas and pouring it on you and setting you on fire. Like me or not, I didn't come up here to be like. I came up here to get paid. And whoever you put in front of me, I'm gonna drop you, you down. Care. I like to send a you special shout out to my homeboy, OJ Simpson. Keep up the good work, baby. Two less we got to worry about. You understand? Keep up the good work. Louis Farrakhan will be the next president. Yeah. Snoop Dogg, we know you're innocent. You called me last night. You understand? Get ready, Smoking Mountain, cause we gonna set this place on fire. All right, fans, there they are. The team to be heard from in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. New Jack, Mustafa Saeed, the gangsters. We'll be back right after this. Hey, you know, I'm gonna throw one more in there because the match doesn't happen for another week or two, but you know, I, it's, to me, arguably the greatest heel turn from someone you would least expect, if you could even call that a category. I mean, look, there's been some awesome heel turns over the years. A lot of people will immediately cite uh, Hulk Hogan joining the NWO, oh, which actually happened this week in history, too. We'll cover that in a minute. But my favorite all-time heel turn from someone that you never, ever expected to not only turn heel— but do an unbelievable job with it. Bob Backlund. He, if you recall, fought Bret Hart for the WWF title at a Superstars taping. They went like 20 or 30 minutes and killed it in the ring. They fucking gelled beautifully. And when Backlund lost that match, he attacked Bret Hart. He turned. Unfortunately, WWE has not put this on the network yet, which blows my mind. Because that was the match that turned Backlund heel and started Mr. Bob Backlund. But two weeks earlier, which was this week in 1994, Backlund officially issued the challenge to Bret Hart. I entered the WWF in 1977, a Minnesota boy with high aspirations. Through hard work and relying mostly on technical skills, I was fortunate enough to become the World Wrestling Federation champion in 1978. I held the title for almost six years, an accomplishment that I'm very proud of. Then, in 1983, I lost the WWF title. Although my manager at the time, Arnold Skolan, had my best interests at heart when he threw the towel in. Still, to this day, it bothers me because I did not submit and I did not give up. Ever since I've returned to the WWF, I've been waiting for a special moment when the time would be right for me to fulfill a dream of once again becoming the World Wrestling Federation Champion. And that time is now. So with all due respect to a man that I feel is a great champion, Brett, I know you're a man of your word, and I know you will accept my challenge. 
And in the end, the best man will be the WWF champion. No idea at that time that Backlund was turning heel. Fucking loved it. We'll pay tribute to it in two weeks. 1995, we've talked about this as well in the past. Vader, you know, hyping up that he wants to beat up Hulk Hogan in WCW, starts a roadkill tour. Did a trivia question on my uh, DT Casey show not too long ago about this. You know, basically, Vader would show up in various promotions, unannounced, quote-unquote, and would just beat the fuck out of talent. Enhancement talent more than anything. And it was entertaining as hell. Uh, just a really just fun time. And uh, look, you would see a little interaction with different feds. Remember Vince McMahon, you know, going to USWA, you know, not once, but twice. You had ECW versus USWA. You had a lot of uh, promotions interacting with each other. So it wasn't added in norm to see someone, you know, make an appearance elsewhere. But the fact that Vader was it was a roadkill tour and just fucking people up, it was awesome. 1996, the ultimate warrior, wrestles his last ever match in the WWF. You remember the match itself? You know, it was just a weird fucking match because Ultimate Warrior is already suspended for missing several house shows with the WWF. Uh, his Ultimate Warrior's father had died on June 30th. It's not like he missed house show dates after his father died. He missed dates before it, after it, and they suspended him. Well, Monday Night Raw was already taped in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So they opened up Raw with Gorilla Monsoon saying that the Ultimate Warrior is suspended indefinitely for not appearing on shows. And he would have to you know, provide a bond that would guarantee that he would be there. Believe it or not, the bond thing, if you're a regular listener of my other shows, that actually, the way Gorilla Monsoon described it, is real. Put, you know, put certain performance bond, that's actually real. Obviously, it wasn't the case in WWF or wrestling. You know, they suspended Warrior. I mean, it's just, that's what it was. But they had this match already taped for Raw of Raw of the Ultimate Warrior versus Owen Hart. So what did they do? They had the match anyway. So they had to do commentary for it since it was pre-taped. And as during the match is going on, you have Vince McMahon and the other commentators talking about how Ultimate Warrior's already suspended, but he's on TV wrestling. It was just really weird. He's suspended already, but he's on TV. And he announced the talking about, you know, he's in the ring, yeah, but he's suspended. Oh, it was kind of dopey the way they did it. They should have, um, you know, after the match was over, he was carried out. He was beat, beat up pretty good, as you will hear the closing moments in a moment. But um, you would think, let him get beat up and announce the following week that he's suspended. I don't know why they did it the way they did. But here you go. Here's the closing moments of the Warriors' ever last ever match. Never wrestled again in the WWF. The Ultimate Warrior versus Owen Hart. We're back with our WWF Raw. Owen Hart one-on-one with the Ultimate Warrior. Owen Hart in complete control as he has been all the way through the break. He's, He's mocking the Warriors. Did you see that, McMahon? This is great. The Ultimate Warrior having, obviously, a great degree of difficulty with Owen Hart. Jim Cornette standing on the outside. 
And as we mentioned before, ladies and gentlemen, the man they call Vader and the British Bulldog watching this matchup as we speak from the locker room. They too will be in action later on here on Raw. Tag team action against the Godwin family. Oh my goodness. Come on, Jimmy, get a shot in there, baby. Stop it. The official right there in control. Owen Hart, nonetheless, using those ropes to his advantage. The Owen Hart behind the official's back. Oh, that was great. Owen Hart now, again, planting the ultimate warrior's throat on that middle rope. Come on, ref, get in there. Look out, here comes Owen Hart. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Across the back. More pressure on the throat area. And you men, you just joined us. Gorilla Monsoon announced Ultimate Warrior suspension earlier on for failure to appear at a number of live WWF events until the Warrior, oh my goodness, <laughs> post an appearance bond. And I would suggest that the Warrior right now is not thinking about any suspension. He's thinking about how to survive this matchup with Owen Hart. And likewise, certainly watching this matchup as we are, Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, back in our WWF studios. That suspension has had an adverse effect. Oh, no! Jim Cornette, ladies and gentlemen, this could be Kim Cornette's night. Owen Hart against the Warrior. Oh, watch this. Trainer, watch this. Bulldog in tag team action against the Godwins going up to the top. Owen Hart now. If he nails the Warrior with that cast, it's all over. Bob's away, baby. From the top. And oh, drop kick. Even better. And Owen Hart, however, feigning injury again. Nonetheless, coming up with a cover. We get one, two, and he gets no. And a kick out with authority, in my head, on the part of the Warrior. Back in, cat like quick. Here we go. Owen Hart, what you get? Sharpshooter, Sharp maybe yes. coming up. Come on, put it on him. Owen Hart against the Ultimate Warrior. It was Owen Hart. Wait, oh, look, wait a minute. Here we go. It was Owen Hart who invented the Sharpshooter. Oh, and a kick out by the Warrior. Owen Hart now. What you get to come up with to combat that awesome power of the Ultimate Warrior? Come on, Owen. Owen Hart. And wait a minute. Here comes the British Bulldog. What's he doing? Go ahead, Jimmy. 
wrapping up 1996, WCW has Bash at the Beach from Daytona Beach, Florida. Dark match, Jim Powers over Hugh Morris. Matches tape for main event. For the WCW tag titles, the Steiner brothers defeat the champs Harlem Heat. However, by DQ, so the belts do not change hands. Bobby Walker over Billy Kidman. The Rock and Roll Express over Fire and Ice. Eddie Guerrero defeats Lord Steven Regal. The pay-per-view itself, Rey Mysterio over Psychosis. In a Carson City Silver Dollar match, John Tent over Big Bubba. In a taped fist match, you had Diamond Dallas Page over Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Double Dog Collar match, the Nasty Boys over the Public Enemy. For the WCW Cruiserweight title, Dean Malenko retains, defeating Disco Inferno. Steve Mongo McMichael defeats Joe Gomez. Ric Flair wins the United States Championship, defeating Conan. You had the Giant and Kevin Sullivan over Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson. And the main event. I kind of sort of remember this. I, I don't know if you ever heard it before, but you know we'll reminisce and share the closing moments of this match. It was a six-man tag. Macho Man Randy Savage, Sting, and Lex Luger taking on the outsiders of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and their mystery partner. I can't seem to remember who their mystery partner was. It's so long ago. I mean... We really haven't heard much of it since, right? It, well, I mean, it wasn't like it changed the landscape of pro wrestling forever, did it? Sting rolling to the Macho Man cutoff. Almost there, too. Buddy. Almost got across. You're going to have to take something and knock him out cold to get him to quit. And then he may just rise up out of the dead. Sting hits the rock and hits the mat. Here's one. a one. Here's a two. No. Hell no. That's right. Testify. Now you got yeah, it. Now you're into it. Silver Tongue, go with it. And now, is that a sleeper or just a front face lock applied? Randy Anderson has the task of calling this match. Almost like a sleeper hole there, isn't it? Yeah, pretty close right here. Yeah, I don't think he's got to lock that hard, though. You know what? We're talking around. We're walking around this situation right here. That's an uneasy feeling. Well, I yeah. keep saying that. But we're walking all around it. We, we're sitting here calling what's going on. But I guarantee you that's something, something, a myth is the word. I don't even know if that... If that's a, a hell of a word or not, From but I know it is. But the fight is on the floor now. Macho Man's got a chair. That's right. Hit him. Yeah. Don't hold him back. No, hit Let the him hit him in the head. No, yeah. I know exactly what Dusty's talking about. Sometimes you go in a place and you just know there's going to be trouble. Sometimes yeah. you get home late you just know you're going to get yelled at. Same thing here. Something is in the air here. Something you can't relax. You can't call the action. You just can't relax or something's going to happen. You can smell the fuse burning. We never expected this to happen to Lex Luger, but it has. Let's go on. And we've got the man we need in there right now. If any man can take a beating throughout his illustrious career, one of the greatest careers in the history of our sport, Sting can. And Kick he's out taking of it. one down one, two, he kicks out yet again. How many times throughout the years have I said that? Well, Sting, he is, kicks fighting out for, again. Sting is fighting not only for himself, but he's fighting for WCW. That's exactly right, Brain. That's exactly what he's doing in there. That's what Savage is doing in there. And Hall and Nash would like nothing better than, like Dusty says, to stop a butthole in him and walk right up here and take over the whole kitten caboodle. The big man. I mean, he got him up, leaped up in the air. There's a seven-foot frame that powerful. time. Very powerful man. Boy, Very powerful. Look at the cop. Look at the face. Right. One, two. Sting again. He hooked both legs, and he wouldn't stay down. Let me see this. Little, little frustration yeah. there. Outsiders know what they're doing. Yeah. Outsiders know what they're doing. Yes, they do. They got a plan, and they've worked this out. You can just tell over and over again. Little frustration there on the face of Nash. That time he 
Head first goes, look at Sting. He's being beaten around like a rubber ball here. And Sting got him with a little bit of his foot right there. Retch out, just got him enough, got him off balance. Sting got the nail on him. Come on, baby. Got to oh, dig down. Lord, dig down. Bring it back. You got to dig down. Yeah, Bring it back. Him. He's ducking. Hit him. Hit him. He's ducking and hitting. Ducking. There you go. Hit him again. I'm Get him with a left. Sting. Right. Going. Left. Hit him again. Hit that other guy. And then there was one, and it was Sting, and he didn't look too good. Hulkamania! Hulk Hogan is here! Hulk Hogan's here! Hulk Hogan is in the building! You're damn right he is! Go get him, Hulkster! Yeah, but whose side is he on? Go, what are you talking about? Whose side is he on? What are you talking about? Yes, sir! Get him, Hogan! Go get him, baby! Come on and get some of this now! Who's bad now? Oh my god! What the hell is going on? Oh my god! Are you kidding me? Uh, probably the lowest shot ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan. Let's get everybody out of the dressing room right now and kick his rear end. Unbelievable, brother. You just what have I been saying all these years? Huh? What have I been saying all these years? Oh, you know, oh my can... god! A career it's, of a lifetime. It's right down the drain, kid. I hope you love it. Can you you see just little, sold your soul to the devil. See those little hulksters with the tears rolling down their face right now? We are not going to even acknowledge that three count. Now what happens to us? What happens now to WCW? There was no three count. I never thought I would say that he's yellow, but he may be wearing red, but he's wearing red and yellow. What do we do now? What a uh, low I'll tell you what, oh. this is a unbelievable situation right here at Bash at the Beach. Hulkamania, the third guy with the outsiders, betrayed WCW. Can't talk. Well, I told you so. Enjoy it, my friend. You got to look yourself in the mirror. You got to stand up and look in the mirror. There you go. That's right. I never thought I'd see people throwing debris at Hulk, at Hulk Hogan. I knew it should have been done a long time ago. I guess this was premeditated all the way back from 94. I guess this is what it was. Look at the ring. The most incredible scene. And Savage, his best friend, one of his best friends, Hogan turns on. Ladies, I, I, we're, I don't know where we're going. Where he, we're has, going? he has no, slept with the what. devil. We need to get someone out there and 
Okay, now us three. Now where do we go from here? Oh my God. What about Nitro going? tomorrow? What happens Gene, on Nitro? I, Gene, I, Gene, I don't know what you think of this, my man, but this has to be the absolute worst moment in my broadcasting career, and we're all witnessing it. Go Look ahead, at Oakland. He looks like he's going to break up. Go ahead, Gene. Hulk Hogan. Excuse me. Excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. I have been with you for so many years. For you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And I think that these people here and a lot of other people around the world have had just about enough of this man, this man, and you want to put yourself in this group? You've got to be kidding me. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north and everybody was wondering who the third man was well who knows more about that organization than me brother i've been there i've done that you have made the wrong decision in my opinion well let me tell you something i made that organization a monster i made people rich up there i made the people that ran that organization rich up there brother and when it all came to pass, the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then billionaire Ted, amigo, he wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. Well, billionaire Ted promised me movies, brother. Billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars. And Billionaire Ted promised me world-caliber matches. And as far as Billionaire Ted goes, Eric Bischoff and the whole WCW goes, I'm bored, brother. That's why these two guys here, the so-called outsiders, these are the men I want as my friends. They're the new blood of professional wrestling, brother. And not only are we gonna take over the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan and the new blood, the monsters with me, we will destroy everything in our path, Mean Gene. Look at all of this crap in this ring. This is what's in the future for you if you wanna hang around the likes of this man Hall and this man Nat. As far as I'm concerned, all this crap in the ring represents these fans out here. For two years, brother, for two years, I held my head high. I did everything for the charities. I did everything for the kids. And the reception I got when I came out here, you fans can stick it, brother. Because 
If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you people wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff would be still selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, all these Johnny-come-latelys that you see out here, wrestling wouldn't be here. I was selling out the world, brother, while they were bumming gas to put in their car to get to high school. So the way it is now, brother, with Hulk Hogan and the New World Organization of Wrestling, brother, me and the new blood by my side, what you gonna do when the New World Organization runs wild on you? What you gonna do? What are you hey, gonna do? Don't touch me, I'm gonna play the lawyers. Cody, Bobby, Dusty, damn it, let's get back to you. All right, we have seen the end of Hulkamania. For Bobby the Brain Heenan, for, Dust, for Dusty Rhodes, Gene Okerlund, I don't know. I'm Tony Schiavone. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. We're out of here. Straight to hell. 1997, WWF had In Your House Canadian Stampede. Now, it's more famous main event match because of all the footage that was shown on Bret Hart's Wrestling with Shadows, uh, especially when they're showing the match and Pat Patterson in the back. That's the story. Fucking loved it. Match results from that night, the Godwins in a dark match over the new Blackjacks. Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Mankind went to a double countout. The great Sasuke over Takamichinoku, and by the way, that was the debut in the WWF for both men. Undertaker retains the WWF World Heavyweight title, defeating Vader. And the main event, the Hart Foundation of Bret Hart, Brian Pillman, British Bulldog, Jim Anvil Nightheart, and Owen Hart defeat Ken Shamrock, Goldust, the Legion of Doom, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Again, that was the match that was uh, featured uh, in one segment on Bret Hart's Wrestling with Shadows. And one other tidbit, that event was the last In Your House that only went two hours. Following Canadian Stampede, the In Your Houses would expand to three hours. Wrapping up 1997, not only did we find out that The Undertaker was a murderer, he was a goddamn murderer. Something that Paul Bear erupts. This is something that Paul Bear has known on The Undertaker for a long, long time. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Paul Bear. And you have to wonder what Paul Bear is about to say. What effect will it have on The Undertaker this Sunday on pay-per-view? There's, who is this idiot? There's some fans. Are having a problem there. Some ladies. See, you think those fans don't deserve to be slugged? Well, we'll get some security easy, out here. Easy, Mr. Bear. That's one of the creatures of the night, I would assume. I'd like to remind you, Paul Bear, that The Undertaker is here with us tonight. And he, along with millions of others will be listening to every word you say. Well, we're going to have to go back a few years, Mr. McMahon. About 20 years to be exact. We're talking about a little funeral home 
sitting up on a hill, beautiful oak trees all around, and a wonderful, wonderful family-owned funeral home. The family lived upstairs. The father was the mortician who ran the funeral home. The mother was the secretary, the receptionist. But there were two little kids there. One kid was a little red-headed punk. And then there was a second kid, a sweet little kid, named Cain. Now, I was the apprentice at the funeral home. I worked under the red-headed punk's father, who by now, you probably know, is The Undertaker. The Undertaker's father was a mortician of excellence. He taught me everything I know. He taught me the correct way to prepare a body for burial, how to do the makeup, how to deal with the families. He taught me from A to Z. But while I was working at that funeral home, I seen a lot of things going on that shouldn't have been happening. This little red-headed punk, there was something funny about him. He had a look in his eyes. The look of the devil. He was a devil's seed, if you know what I mean. What was so sad about the whole situation is that poor little Cain, the little brother, followed the undertaker around everywhere he went. The undertaker was little Cain's hero. Anything the undertaker did was fine. Well, it went on for about two years, my apprenticeship. I was going to college at night, taking courses in mortuary science at the same time. The undertaker and Cain would run around the funeral home like wild men. They had free reign of the property. They'd sneak out behind the garage. I see what they were doing. Their mom and daddy didn't see what they were doing, but I saw what they were doing. I saw them taking chemicals out of the bombing room of the funeral home. I saw them sneaking behind the garage, smoking cigarettes when they were little kids. But you know, one particular afternoon, I was leaving to go to school. As I backed my car out of the funeral home, I looked behind, and who do I see? That red-head devil seed undertaker with his little brother. Something was funny, it, it, something didn't seem right. But I went ahead and backed out of the driveway, went to school. I came back from school about 10 o'clock that night, and what do I see? I see fire trucks. I see ambulance. I see steam and smoke. And I see the funeral home in ashes. Someone burned down the funeral home. Inside the funeral home was this lovely family that took care of me. 
I looked over to the bushes. Who did I see in the bushes but the Undertaker? Undertaker, you burnt the funeral home to the ground. And along with the funeral home, you killed your parents. You killed your family, Undertaker. I know it. I've had this secret on my inside all my life. 20 years. You killed him. Undertaker, you are a murderer. You are a murderer, Undertaker. You're a goddamn murderer. Monday Nitro. I know a lot of people to this day, you know what? I look back on it. This was a fucking great week to be a WWE and WCW wrestling fan. WWF and WCW wrestling fan. Uh, First, we had, you know, a good match. If you actually pay a little close attention, match didn't go all that long. I guess it didn't need to with the participants involved, but it's probably one of the top five greatest matches in the history of WCW Monday Nitro. Not necessarily because of the technical prowess of the participants, but the magnitude, how they were able to draw 40,000 fans on literally one week's notice, maybe even less. And yes, to this day, we feel why the fuck did they not put this on a pay-per-view? The buy rate would have been so much more important than the fucking attempt to pop a massive rating on Nitro. So here you go. For the heavyweight title, Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, who was the champ at the time, taking on challenger Bill Goldberg. N-W-O. You can better believe in many fans, and obviously in the two athletes, there's a measure of uncertainty. Butterflies, and I know because we have them up here. Oh, do we ever? You can just—you've been able to feel the excitement, the electricity, the intensity of the night. And look at this man. Go ahead. Walk out in segment one. Kick Goldberg's butt. Walk out in segment one. Lay down the menu for tonight for Goldberg. Always will be. You first must go through my main man. At that time, we weren't sure, but it ended up being Scott Hall. And it was quite a chore. As Scott Hall pushed Goldberg the limit, as no one had done before in the previous 106 wins. But the 107 was at the expense of Scott Hall. And now as Hogan comes out alone, the moment, the night, the world has been waiting for is on us. Hogan is still at his best, and I'll tell you why. He's worried, he's nervous, he's scared to death. But he didn't let Goldberg know that, did he? Or anybody else, but I know the man. He came to the ring. 
You know what's going through his mind. What am I going to do with this man? I've got a plan. I hope it works. Never had it. Had always had his game face on. And notice, he made Goldberg go to the ring first. He took his time coming out. He made Goldberg wait. Hogan right now is at his best. Goldberg has answered every challenge to date. This is the biggest one. That heightened sense of anticipation is now over. Let the match begin. Gentlemen, start your engines. The fans erupt at the bell. I've never seen that, never heard that in our sport. And the chant begins. And Hogan's slowing down the pace. Remember, Hogan doesn't have to beat Goldberg. Can Goldberg last an hour? Can Hogan last an hour with Goldberg? Vance, as we said earlier, we'll stay with you as long as it takes to conclude this matchup. Immediately, Goldberg uses the power, your basic side headlock, fundamental, elementary move in wrestling, to try to establish the power advantage, and immediately, Hogan goes down to one knee. Well, among the wrestling factions, many critics would put World Championship Wrestling number three in the pecking order behind the two NWO groups, I think especially with the recent defection of Sting and Luger. But can you imagine his shot in the arm for World Championship Wrestling if Goldberg were able to bring the World's Heavyweight title back to WCW? Then you would watch the balance of power shift. Fans, we talked so much about what a night this was, a history-making night. It's the biggest crowd ever to see a televised wrestling event on cable TV, and you're a part of it. And it could be the night where Goldberg walks away with the gold from arguably the greatest champion our sport has ever had in Hollywood Hogan. Front chance to reapply. Goldberg tried to power him out of it, but just content with sending Hogan back to the corner. If Hogan gets a victory over Goldberg, you'll never be able to live with that man. We'll never hear the end of it. It'll destroy the sport. I'm not so sure if Hogan. I think it will. I'm not so sure if Hogan gouged the eyes, or maybe a sweat that got down into Goldberg's eyes, but he was flinching, digging into his eyes. I mean, you have to realize that Hogan has been in some big matches in some big venues against some big men. So this is nothing new to him. But I would dare say that there's ever been a 100% groundswell against him like there is here tonight. 100%, I would say. Well, Hogan has to be the biggest name in the history of this sport. And I think you're looking at right there, that man Goldberg, who will go on to be the biggest name in this sport eventually someday. Only time will tell. What an opportunity tonight for this man. We have followed his steps all through tonight. And Hogan takes the shortcut, goes to the ropes. Still a smart move on the part of Hollywood Hogan, using the ropes yeah, to get the break. He knows the highway. He knows every turn, every bump. Hogan's a very powerful man. Oh. And usually a move like that, he can hold his own. A lot of times it's leverage. Hogan did the right thing, and now because of it, Hollywood, the world champ, is taking charge here. Well, he's fell him out. He knows how strong he is now. He's been in a... Ow! If I do that, Charles Robinson, head of the back of Amy, to let the match go on. And Goldberg's got the belt. Get a phone book, Hogan, and put it in your pants. And he doesn't even want. 
belt away. That's confidence right there. This man's on a roll. He's got momentum. You can see the confidence in his face. And you can see it slipping away from Hogan. But then again with Hogan, you never know. You never know. Goldberg threw that belt away. He doesn't want to take any shortcuts. He wants to earn the victory over Hogan. I think he was smart enough to realize, too, with that belt, he could have accidentally hit a referee, caused some disqualification. A lot of things could have happened. He's done his homework. Oh, low blow by Hogan. Referee didn't see it. Charles Robinson, though, moments ago, allowed the match to continue, even though Hogan had used the belt. A pat on the back for Charles Robinson. The fans want to see a clear-cut winner, and so do we. But the low blow by Hogan has given him this advantage. And he runs right over Goldberg. Oh, he drilled him. Oh, Goldberg hit very hard. Hit very hard. Hogan not trying to make a cover. A blatant chokehold right in front of the referee. Remember earlier, Scott Hall had success with the clothesline. Hollywood Hogan was obviously play, paying close attention, and he just laid out Goldberg with the lariat. A pick up, and Goldberg goes down hard. Now you won't admit this. This is the most punishment Goldberg's taken in any of his matches. But Goldberg rolling over. He made Hogan try the elbow drop twice. That was a great move. And he's back, and Hogan's down. that count as he can. What a great move by Goldberg. What a great match. To roll over on his back, forcing Hogan to try the elbow drop for a second time. As he missed, Goldberg up, Hogan on the outside. He's thinking right now, find me something down here on the floor. Belt back on and Signal trouble here for Goldberg, the leader of NWO Hollywood, the man who has made so much of a difference in our sport on many levels. Goldberg trying to forge his own way, begin his own status, his own legendary status, which in many ways has been paved since September 22nd of last year. Can you believe that? Of last year, less than a year here. because Hogan on the outside, guys, is a master. Oh, so dangerous is Hogan, driving Goldberg face first into the steel guardrail, and now he's got the chair from behind. Referee time to get it back. Goldberg tried to fend that one off, but could not. The third shot put him down to the knee again. Well, Goldberg knows right now what he's in there with, what he's heard about his whole life, how tough this man Hogan can be. What this man's capable of doing, and he knows right now, firsthand, what Hogan's all about. Comes a time in every great athlete's career where you gotta dig down deep, where you gotta suck it up, where you gotta prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you belong here. For Goldberg, the time is right now because the champ is leveling with everything. Hogan with those patented leg drops has delivered two, and here comes Kurt Hennig to the inside. And we've got company. There's Malone and DDP following Hennig. He kicked out from the Hogan leg drop. That has Hollywood stunned. Yes. Yes, Malone can use the diamond cutter. And look at Goldberg. He's ready. He's born. 
finish him off. He's calling for it. This is it. This is it. Your career's on the line here. Do it. Do it. This place only rep when he picks him up. He's got him up. and have a record of 107, 108. Who cares? There's zero on the other side. We've got a new champion. Listen to this. Now we get to the controversial part of this week. Skit that you know WWE wants to fucking 
highlight and bring up once in a while because it was so funny and it was so corny and it was very entertaining. I don't think anybody, do you remember, you know, like groups out there and fucking activists getting so bent out of shape about this? Yes, we're in a different era. And yes, it is not appropriate to do it now. But again, I still feel that WWE would love to feature this once in a while in a clip problem is it would legitimately piss off a lot of people today and if you don't know what i'm talking about i'm not even going to spoil it just sit back and hopefully for most people out there since there was i don't think any real deep you know personal malice and real hatred involved i think it was to further the controversial story because remember the nation of domination they were playing you know the racist storyline when uh, they all became black it was an all-black group so this was uh, the opposite. Two wrongs don't make a right, obviously, but still uh, a very big moment in the history of Monday Night Raw. You smell what The Rock is cooking? Wait a minute. We're expecting DX here. That's must be the nations coming out. No. Oh, my God. JR, look at this. I am not believing this. Well, you got to know your role, and I think we're going to find out what everybody's role is here now. Look at the ends. I mean, of the nation. Look at the front of Rock. It's like a B-Low over there. B-Low. I remember that thing, that Yahoo dressed up like Owen Hart. I guess they're going to come down there and lay some smack down. Well, I can tell you this, I know that The Rock is in Miami and is home watching this tonight. Owen Hart's in Calgary, and Mark Henry's down in Texas. And I'll bet the furniture in all three of the houses are flying around the room right now. Look at this guy. No. What? Well, we have not seen, we have not seen DX all day, folks, which is very uncharacteristic for these guys. What does that mean, What does that mean? You, Neozo. <laughs> Look at this. This is great. He is The Rock. Look. The part of The Rock will now be played by Triple H. Look at that eyebrow. Hips up, hose down. Look at the Godfather. Let's see. <laughs> What'd that mean? And you should have smelled what The Rock was cooking. <laughs> oh, look at B-Lo. Nation ain't gonna like this. I ain't faking. You should have smelled what The Rock was baking. The Rock was baking. Brother was baking. <laughs> look at, look at D-Lo. He's the man. He's gonna shake his hand. I'm sorry, that's B-Lo. Uh-oh. Going on here now. Wait a minute. Uh oh, it's the people's elbow, JR. Ah, oh, the best damn elbow in the business, according to The Rock. Look at this. <laughs> As a matter of fact, <laughs> people's elbow. And the people are standing up. Look at this. 
when it comes to the crock and the ladies and the crock hits rock bottom he has no choice but to lay that smack down on himself <laughs> you hear that the brother smacks himself down oh, look at me oh man can you imagine the rock He's broken every piece of furniture in his living room right now. Hey, wait a minute. Look at this guy. Is that his nose or did he park a bus on his face? Supposed to be Owen Hart. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Listen to that. It is Owen Hart. Did you hear that So voice? what? Nobody listens to me. Nobody gives a damn what I think. And what the hell am I doing wearing this ridiculous outfit? <laughs> I look like a damn road sign. <laughs> What the hell am I? A school crossing? You know, I tried to be a tough guy, but I just couldn't grow my damn beard in. And you know what? I am not a nugget. I'm a black heart, damn it. A winner, a soul survivor. Woo! Oh, things are not well in Calgary tonight. That is, that is Owen Hart. And if anybody smells what the rock is cooking, it's me. Look how big my damn nose is. <laughs> what the hell am I? An aardvark? <laughs> what does the brother look like? An aardvark? Bilo, look at Bilo. Hey, 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 rock. Me is Ark Henry. I don't know what you're cooking. Smells like Oh my. But I think I'll eat some anyway. <laughs> you know something, Mark Henry? <laughs> Me is Ark Henry. <laughs> right. I know you're the world's strongest man, and the Croc's got a hell of a body himself. But there's one thing the people want to know. How do you get your pecs to go all the way around to your back like that? <laughs> oh, man. What he wants to know is how... Shut up! <laughs> Look. Shut your mouths and know your role. Nation, it's real simple. We got two words for you. Suck it! Wrapping up 1998, you know, I always mention this. You go on YouTube and see a little clip. There's even some news articles that covered it. It was a big event that WWE was going to do at Foxborough. And they hyped it up. They had a press conference. They even did a, a deal where um, Vince McMahon was going to have an arm wrestling match with Steve Austin, and he got thrown in a fucking river. It was all covered. It was in a lagoon, excuse me. But um, they were going to have this big-time event in Foxborough Stadium. It was going to take place the first week in August. And the advertised card was Steve Austin versus Undertaker versus, uh, versus Kane. Triple threat match for the WWF heavyweight title. You had Triple H and X-Pac versus The Rock and Owen Hart in a cage match. Terry Funk versus Mankind in a Falls Count Anywhere in the stadium match. Vader versus Mark Henry, no DQ. New Age Outlaws versus Southern Justice. Jeff Jarrett versus Ken Shamrock. Farouk versus Mark Barrow. The Legion of Doom 2000 versus DOA in a Lumberjack match. And another arm wrestling match, Sable versus Jacqueline. 
That's a pretty damn solid card. Never would happen. Poor ticket scales. And yeah, you would be a little bit surprised at that time. They thought that they were going to sell 30,000, 40,000 tickets. And especially, just think about this. This was already planned. Way before WCW decided to do the impromptu match of Goldberg versus Hogan at the Georgia Dome. So imagine WWF already planning this event, already planning this little press conference at Foxborough to hype it up this week in history. And the same week that they're doing this, Hogan and Goldberg draw over 40,000 at the Georgia Dome. You would think WWE would be pretty fucking excited, especially because they felt that their product was more superior at the time. Wrestling was unbelievably hot. And they just could not get enough ticket sales to have this event go down. 1999, and yes, it was the 4th of July as well. Vince McMahon riding on his motorcycle in Greenwich, Connecticut, not seriously injured, but still something that I figured to mention. He was on his motorcycle, made a turn on a corner. At the same time he made a turn, somebody backed out of his driveway, you know, swerved out of his way to, to avoid hitting the car. Unfortunately, he did hit the car, and he was thrown from his motorcycle. You know, they said 30 feet. It was a little bit less than that, but still, uh, he escaped uh, some very serious injuries. Um, it was perceived that he had a cracked tailbone, but still, not fun, especially with all the shit you know that's gone on on July 4th in the past. Same week, Jerry the King Lawler announced that he was going to run for mayor of Memphis, Tennessee, and he was very serious about this. Obviously, he wouldn't win which I guess us as wrestling fans who appreciated his commentary, probably that was a good thing, right? But still, a lot of papers covered it this week in 99, Jerry Lawler running for mayor. And one final tidbit, I found some photos. I'm going to put it up so you get a good laugh at it. This week, Steve Austin, you know, getting a lot of publicity outside of the WWF. You know, everybody who lives in New York always remembers the day that he threw out the first pitch right before um, a game between, a subway showdown between the Mets and the Yankees. Happened this week in 99. Came out wearing the Mets jersey, the 316 jersey, threw out the first pitch, jacked up, covered in the papers over here. Got a pretty cool photo as well. Bobby Valentine pretending like he's going to hit him. It was cool. A lot of people don't know that the day before... The day before, Steve Austin went to fucking Philadelphia, was at Veteran Stadium taking batting practice from Terry Francona. All you Boston Red Sox fans out there especially, and, you know, Cleveland Indians too, but uh, Terry Francona throwing out batting practice to Steve Austin, and all the reports was he couldn't even get the ball out of the infield. Um, You know, Steve Austin's not a baseball player. Come on. But, yeah, for everybody, it was like, oh, that's so cool. He's in New York, Mets jersey. I fucking wore a Phillies jersey the day before, and I got the picture to prove it. 2000, what an interesting week in pro wrestling. No major stories, but a lot of little tidbits, a lot of oddball things. I remember doing my hotline back then. This would have been a day would have been like, how the fuck am I going to cover all this in 20 minutes? Because my hotline after 20 minutes, it cut off. That was it. You couldn't go any longer. So anyway, uh, news tidbit number one. Last week, we talked about ECW landing the three-year deal with TNN to have the ECW programming. Almost a year to the day last week in history, ECW was going to be dropped 
from TNN. And that's because of the WWF Viacom lawsuit that they had won. So now, one week later, we have a disagreement online that the TNN spokesman stated that ECW failed to keep their commitments, that ECW had to maintain a 2.0 rating in order for this contract to be, I guess, enforced. Paul Heyman said that the contract said that they only needed to maintain a 0.6 rating. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, of course, wrestling, the viewership was insane during the Monday Night Wars. But I just believe Paul Heyman was probably the one who was more accurate on this. And sure, a lot of people can say, well, how could you take Paul Heyman's side over TNN? You just look at the numbers and the viewership at that time. I don't know how anybody and their mother could have thought that Paul uh, ECW would have uh, averaged over 2 million viewers at a time where WCW was getting nosediving in ratings. Um, I don't know, but that was problem number one. Now, talk about stepping in shit and having some really good luck. Not only did WWF just win that lawsuit uh, with Viacom, but they just got awarded $3.5 million because uh, the Parents Teacher Council, uh, Parents Television Council, excuse me, they were uh, held liable um, because of what happened with uh, them just bashing WWF. I mean, back then there was a really infamous, tragic story. All I have to say are these two words, and I guarantee you a boatload of you are going to be like, oh shit, yeah, I remember that. Lionel Tate. Could you imagine that we're almost around the 20th anniversary of Lionel Tate? That's fucking insane. It was a you know, 12-year-old boy, hit, put wrestling moves on a kid, killed him. I think that's the best way to put it. Six-year-old kid. So anyway, the parents television council who was absolutely against WWF. If you thought Phil Mushnick was on a crusade, parents television council was fucking blaming everything on WWF, just really bad man to the point that WWF sued him. And the parents teacher council, television council, why do I keep saying parents? I know why, because it's parents teacher night. That's why. But no, the parents television council had to pay WWF three and a half million dollars. Now that may not sound like a whole lot of money because of WWF's even net worth at the time, but that was a boatload of cash for the parents television council. Uh, here, a little quick audio tidbit. Uh, I'll let you hear it. It's not a, a crazy match, but just a crazy move. Remember the Johnny the Bull? Well, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how it was the anniversary that um, Bischoff had won the hardcore title and then quietly gave it to the Mamelukes. Well, now they were going to determine which Mamaluke would hold the title. So they were hyping up the next WCW pay-per-view. Um, Johnny DeBull and Big Vito were going to battle it out for the hardcore title. So the storyline was, was that Johnny DeBull loved uh, Terry Funk, was his mentor, and blah, 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 blah. So Terry Funk, the coach, was going to coach Johnny the Bull and help him defeat Big Vito for the hardcore title. So Terry Funk is doing some segments with Johnny the Bull, trying to get him. So now we have an impromptu match. There in the back, Terry Funk attacks Johnny the Bull from behind. He's basically forcing Johnny the Bull to have this hardcore match and blah, 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 blah. So at one point towards the end of the match, 
Ter- just picture this. Terry Funk is laid out outside the ring on the floor. I don't even think it was padded, the floor. The, just the concrete floor. And he's laid out. Johnny the Bull puts a chair over the face of Terry Funk. He goes back into the ring. Now, remember, Johnny the Bull's about 260 pounds. He does one of these Rey Mysterio springboards off the top rope onto the floor. Now, just picture Rey Mysterio when he jumps up to the middle rope and then fucking dives and flips outside to outside the ring. Johnny the Bull, at 260 pounds, jumps to the top rope, dives outside the ring, and thinks he's going to do a leg drop onto Terry Funk and the chair. Well, let's just say that fucking Johnny the Bull not, did not wrestle at the next pay-per-view. He tore up his asshole. Some people said he fucked up his urethra. He tore up his ass muscles. He fucked himself up really bad. And the rest of the match was terrible. He couldn't stand up. He's trying to do moves on Terry Funk. He can't fucking stand up. There was such a weak chair shot to Terry Funk, and then Johnny the Bull gets the pin. But I want you to pay attention towards the end of the match and just listen to the announcers. I mean, they knew that this move was fucking sick, but they realized immediately after that Johnny the Bull should not have executed this move you'll know the exact moment just when you pay attention when terry funk is laid out outside the ring and johnny the bull puts the chair over his head the rest is history johnny, are you ready for your opponent yeah but he's my opponent hey he's a real tough guy johnny don't forget it you need something in that ring you better get that trash can go get the it's trash can your opponent Johnny the Bull. Terry Funk just told Johnny that his opponent was a real tough guy. What? I mean, could it be Terry Funk? Well, that's his opponent right now. Terry Funk is going to be the opponent for Johnny the Bull. It's a hardcore matchup. Yeah, I guess this is final test going to Bash of the Beach this Sunday when he faced the champion Big Vito. And what a test it is. Oh. The master himself. And I guess we've got a hardcore match right before Get up, Johnny. you got to Excuse me, could this be the night? 
teacher gets surpassed by the students. Could be the night, if you want to call this a test, it also could be the night that the teacher takes a big chunk out of the noggin of the student, and maybe the teacher would go on to bash at the beach. You gotta wonder what the motives are here. I wanna tell you, I understand training, I understand working out, but to beat a man senseless like this, with these odds of some days before, he could injure Johnny the Bull before he gets to Daytona Beach. Oh no, no, wait a minute, not the announce table. And the next thing he knew, he was being dragged to the ring, beaten by chairs, beaten by trash cans and trash can lids. And now Johnny the Bull, the power young man that he is, is fighting back on Terry Funk. Johnny the Bull is showing me something here. He's as tough as a pair of old wrestling boots. He took everything Terry Funk had to offer. And now he's fighting back on the hardcore ledge. Hey, it's tough to fight your teacher, your mentor, your friend. But if you're going to fight him, you better fight him the way you were taught. And that is awesome. That is hardcore. I like what I'm seeing from Johnny the Bull so far. I don't know if it's tough to fight him after he's beating you up like that. It, it may be easier to fight him after what Johnny the Bull's got through. And Johnny the Bull out in the, the audience, out in the front row, out in the ringside seating area. As we're trying to get our cameras in over there, down is Terry Funk. We're looking from high above. Terry Funk on the floor. Wait a minute. Oh, no. Oh, a pile driver on the chair of the country. Let's see, skull on metal on concrete, not a lot of give there, I don't think. Well, and he gets back up. Is that Vinny Terry Funk or what? What about the spinal column of Johnny the Bull taking that impact on the concrete for both men really being opened up here? This is hardcore. Yeah, what about the intestinal fortitude of one Johnny the Bull? You said it right earlier, Scott. He's proved something to us in a short span. That suplex look, it looked like he's opened up the eye of Terry Funk, who's bleeding from the left eye. And, and that and Johnny the Bull puts the chair right on the injury. You have to be merciless. You have to go for the kill in the hardcore division. Oh my! No! Oh. oh look, he can try it again. Look at this! No! Oh, oh, no! Oh no! He passes. That's an A plus. Springboard guillotine from the top to the floor on a chair onto the hardcore legend. On to his mentor, a man he cares about. Can you believe what we just witnessed here? And can you believe that Terry Funk has enough left to stagger to his feet? What if, have we just seen? If these guys are friends, I really shudder to think what Vito and Johnny, two sworn enemies now, are going to do to each other at Bash at the Beach. That type of emotional toll is being oh. taken here to put a chair on your own mentor's face. Fastball strike one. Johnny just wiped himself out with that springboard guillotine and Terry Funk and Johnny the ball. I don't know how much more they've got left, but they're still going at it. It's an old cliche, but literally here, the blood of the teacher is on the student's hands here. But Johnny the ball, the fans are into this and they're standing everywhere as Johnny the ball still nursing the back, holding the lower back, tries to get to a speed. Terry Funk swing and a miss. And a pickup, no, make it inside, point of one, two, no. 
Gruden Hunky. An inside cradle, small package, and a hardcore match? Yeah, the heck with that. Kill each other. Well, I don't know if he wanted to mer mercifully try to end this thing or not. Oh! Just crowned it. And your Terry Funk has no defense for a chair shot. Can't even get the arm shot. Here's a cover one, two, but he can kick out from a chair. And Funk tries to get to his feet. This has been brutality personified by two very, very tough individuals. Hardcore legend and a hardcore protege. DDT on the steel chair. One, two, three. We got it. The teacher, Grasshopper. There's one other intangible here, and I'll be going to call it an intangible or not. The fact is that, that on the Monday before, Bash at the Beach, he had this brutal, brutal matchup, and Big Vito did not. So what type of shape is Johnny the Bull going to be in coming up to Master Lock's Bash at the Beach? Look, he can barely stand right now. Look at this. He's on one knee. But Terry Funk stands, helps him up. What a hardcore fight we're going to see Sunday night. It's going to be incredible. Continuing with 2000, we learned that WWF just signed Brock Lesnar. Fresh out of the University of Minnesota, capturing the NCAA heavyweight title. Lesnar was big news because New Japan wanted him. WCW wanted him, and uh, he apparently signed the deal with the WWF. He was going to World Wrestling Federation. We'd go to OVW first. Uh, he would um, be there with Shelton Benjamin. You know, the, a lot of people may not know the connection between Benjamin and Lesnar when they first came in. It's pretty cool if you actually are fans of both. You want to do a little research. But uh, hearing that Lesnar was uh, signing with World Wrestling Federation was awesome. And wrapping up 2000, this week is the anniversary that Bam Bam Bigelow, superhero, um, saved a couple of kids from dying in a fire. A lot of people may not know about this. I, I was shocked that WCW did not talk about this more. Bigelow was home in Florida. His neighbor's house was on fire. He knew that there was a couple of small children that lived there. So he fucking went into the house, rescued the kids, got burns over 40% of his body. A lot of people don't understand that when Bam Bam Bigelow started, you know, uh, the unfortunate down spiral with some medicinal aids, I guess that would be the most polite way to put it. Uh, he had extreme amounts of pain from this fire. I mean, look, I don't say it for bragging. I mean, I say it for for privilege and just having the honor of becoming friends with this guy before he died. You know, you know all the stories I've told in the past, you know, my involvement with him. The most notorious is the ECW ring and eBay. But this guy used to tell the mass maniac in me how much pain that he would go through because of what happened with that fire. Bur burned 40% of his body. God bless him. Rest in peace. Definitely a good guy that a lot of people never got the, you know, the opportunity to know personally like that. 2001, <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't know how else to put it. You know, 
We have the WCW invasion officially began last week with Mike Awesome winning the WWF Hardcore Championship. So this week, we get a little taste of WCW on Monday Night Raw. We have different announcers. They come in, Arn Anderson, Scott Hudson, and we're going to have as the main event of Raw a WCW heavyweight title match featuring Booker T, who is the champion, taking on Buff Bagwell. Now, I remind everyone, you know, over the year when we talk about different topics, that the Invasion storyline originally was just WCW. ECW had no involvement. In fact, for anybody out there that knows this, the story of to what Tommy Dreamer said recently, that he almost fucking killed Paul Heyman and then blew his brains out, his own brains out, live on WrestleMania 17. That's how depressed he was. Now, we're not going to get into that over here, but... At this point, ECW has nothing to do with the storyline. But because of what went down this week on Monday Night Raw with fucking WCW just absolutely just shitting up the place, boring. I'm not even going to put you through the brutality of, of playing it here. We'll dedicate that airtime for other stuff. You can watch it online. Um, it was a disaster. And I said this recently when Tommy Dreamer was that depressed and Jim Ross was telling him, you know, just hang out, hang on, you know, we'll bring in eventually. I feel that Tommy Dreamer might sort of want to uh, thank, not, not blame, but thank Buff Bagwell because that match was so god awful and the crowd hated it that much that they decided to do an audible. They got ECW involved in the storyline. Stephanie McMahon bought ECW. So it makes you wonder what would have happened with... Doug this week's episode is a lot of what would have happened. What would have happened if uh, Rob Van Dam and Sabu didn't get arrested? What would have happened if Bagwell and Booker T didn't absolutely fucking stink up the joint? There's a lot of, you know, what would have happened if things would have turned out different? So there you go. This week, 2001, just an absolute disaster. Um, and on top of it, Linda McMahon announced that night that we were going to get a pay-per-view called Invasion, WCW versus WWF. Again, no ECW involvement yet. But as you will hear very, very shortly on future episodes, ECW got involved immediately. The rest is history. And wrapping up 2001, you know, look, it was tragic. It's disgusting. You go on YouTube, you could watch it. You know, I get a kick out of these websites that think they know it all. And I remember in 01 especially, you know, uh, Chaos and Supreme of XPW are related. They're very close. They're very tight. They were tight in 2001. I don't know if they're tight now, but they were tight in 2002 when I did some work for XPW. And they had a hardcore match in California. Now, anybody that watches like flaming tables, spots, especially old ECW, Balls Mahoney, they use the yellow Zippo lighter fluid. It's a beautiful visual. It's still, you know, hot, but it goes out quickly. You know, no big deal. So, you know, Chaos and Supreme have a match in California, and they're going to do a flaming table spot. Veronica Kane, sweet woman, met her. Uh, she's supposed to put lighter fluid on the table. Now, there's been a lot of discrepancy over the years what kind of lighter flu fluid was used, barbecue fluid, you know, whatever. Bottom line is, is that 
They lit the table on fire, didn't have any fire extinguishers right at ringside. They put Supreme through the table, and the fire doesn't go out. He's rolling around on the floor. The fire still doesn't go out. They finally get it out. They rush him to the hospital. Fans who were there, you could go and look at old message boards online. They said it smelled like burnt chicken, which I know people have said that it's burning flesh. It's disgusting. It's terrible. And he got about 20% of his body burned. And those were serious burns. But I, I will always remember the following week, you know, they did a segment on XBW TV where Chaos, I think, was in a park. And, you know, he was making fun of of Supreme being you know, barbecued and blah, 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 blah. I hope you die. And fans got triggered. My God, how could chaos say that? That's disgusting. I mean, Supreme should fucking be... I mean, I know fans were falling for the storyline, but you had to see legitimate websites that were ripping chaos for just going over the top of it. Motherfucker, they were close. They were tight. They, they was fi- He was fine. He wasn't happy getting burnt alive almost, but, you know, the vignette was fine. So anyway, 2002... Ah, Kevin Nash. Look, it's a funny joke now. A lot of people find it funny. Nash could laugh it off. Uh, I felt bad, but you also, I know a lot of people laughed at the time as well. Kevin Nash, they had a Monday Night Raw main event. It was Chris Benoit, Kevin Nash, Eddie Guerrero, Big Show, and X-Pac versus Bubba Ray Dudley, Booker T, Goldust, Spike Dudley, and Rob Van Dam. And right at the beginning of the match, Kevin Nash tore his left quadricep. Goes in the ring, falls immediately down. I know a lot of people thought it was hilarious. You know, tear your own quad and see see how you feel when people laugh at you. Look, I know now Kevin Nash himself could laugh it off. You know, it's it, uh, you almost feel like Kevin Nash's injuries is almost... Uh, uh, a noun or an adjective instead of, oh man, it's, it's sad, but he got injured and he was out for an extended period of time. But that night on Monday Night Raw will always be remembered because of the infamous match we've talked about for ages, the Jackie Gator match. I would play it here, but if you listen to it, the announcers did their best, try to make it acceptable. But Jackie Gate had no business being in the ring. Just because you trained doesn't mean that you could ever put it all together. And the match was JBL and Trish Stratus versus Chris, Chris Nowinski and Jackie Gata. Oh, my God. You know, I remember, and I've talked about this before, you know, at this time, we thought that Daphne was going to get an opportunity to possibly work for WWF and, you know, be on TV. And... um the Jackie Gator match happened. And a lot of people felt like, wait, so Daphne was passed up for this woman? Look, it's nothing against Jackie Gator. She tried, but it just didn't click. And this arguably might be the worst match in the history of Monday Night Raw. Some people think so. I don't think it's as bad as Jenna Maraska and TNA, but it was bad. If you've never seen the match, go online and watch it. Now, we can't end that week in 2002 on a really bad note. Eh, we'll have some enjoyment now. And it's not the last time you'll hear Hulk Hogan featured on this episode. Gives you a reminder of how crazy over Hogan was in 2002. 
you know, you think of the WrestleMania match with The Rock, that was epic. But all throughout the year, the fans were just going nuts for Hogan. And it was fun. This week in 2002, Billy and Chuck, who were the WWE Tag Team Champions at the time, they were uh, on a pretty good run. And then this week, their challengers were Hulk Hogan and Edge. Jericho 
thought he put out Edge for a while with that steel chair to his shoulder, but Edge returned to the surprise of everyone, including Jericho. And now Edge gets Jericho. Wow! Oh, at vengeance! He pounded! Oh. Here's the cover and Billy Tech titles on the line and a kick out. Tremendous strength shown right there by Billy pressing Edge. You know, Billy's 6'5", 265. Big fast dude to get some tough sandwiches. behind him and oh, Billy with a clothesline and there's that veteran Billy taking control of the matchup. But for someone like Edge Ted, what does it mean for Edge to be in the same ring on the same team with a chance for the tag team title with his long-time idol, Hulk Hogan? Well, what does it mean for Hogan? Think about it not, not taking that away from Hogan. What does it mean for Hogan? Edge has been, as we pointed out, extremely successful in the tag team division. If he can catch the tag team goal, Hogan with Edge, that'd be a great coup for Hogan. Edge with the right hand. And that, that, that's the hundred goal. Hogan's done for the tag team champion of his life. Great point, Taz. And look at Chuck. Wow! Oh, wow! Hook throw. Beautiful by Chuck. And here's Chuck. the cover by Chuck. Hook to the outside leg. And a kick out by Edge. And you have to wonder, is that shoulder of Edge's quite 100%? Yes, he's been medically cleared to compete. But is it 100%? Well, if Edge's shoulder is not healed completely, Edge ain't going to tell nobody. He'd be stupid to do it. Dude! Talk about ruthless aggression. Draws, draws Hogan in, referee goes to Hogan, and then they double up. Billy and Chuck do one in. An absolutely historic night on SmackDown. It's Billy Gunn, the suplex, hook of the leg on edge. Here's the cover and a kick out. Slam by Chuck to edge. This crowd coming by. They want to see Hogan in the matchup. Here's Chuck, hook of the outside leg. There's two in a kick out. And look at Hogan. Hogan on the apron. He wants in this matchup. He's well, Hogan feeds off the Hulkamaniacs in every arena in this country and world that we go to. And Hogan's feeding off the people of Boston, the Hulkamaniacs, right now. And Edge feeding off these fans as well. The Edge up right out here in front of us, and Edge is in trouble. And Billy is not the legal man, but he's going to go to work on Edge. And we go! the apron. Billy's been knocked out outside the ring. Well, he was knocked it's out. Billy, it's Billy! Oh! Serious bulldog into some steel, courtesy of Billy on the edge's face. For argument's sake, it is now a three-on-two matchup. I think I agree with that. Check out this impact, man. Edge is tough. He's tough. Edge heads, edge heads, and hold the man in. Right, that's the people. Edge goes to edge heads. Edge heads. And here, Billy, that front face lock on Edge, applying the pressure. He pointed that out last week, but Angle had seen him the front headlock, front face lock. Serious hold right here. People are getting behind. The edge heads are getting behind Edge. Hollywood Hulk Hogan desperately wants in this matchup. Pacing like a, a caged animal, Edge looking to be unleashed on his prey. The power right there by Edge with that front face lock by Billy's taking something out of Edge, I think. Well, Billy, as you mentioned before, no small man. He goes six foot five, 265 pounds. Billy trying to block the tag. Can he do it? Can he do it? Oh, can he do it? Oh, can't quite get there. The cover and a kick out. 
by Edge. Edge inches away from his plow. And then there you go. Billy just shutting Edge right back down. And here's the timely tag by Billy to Chuck. Tremendous tag team champions, Billy and Chuck. They're a great team. Billy and Chuck, great continuity, great team. A little weird, but great. And Edge, uh-oh, Chuck lands on his feet. And Edge, and now Edge needs to make a tag. This could be the turning point of this match. You think? <laughs> here it comes, here it comes. Oh, the maniacs are bouncing the roof off this place.
2005. Now, I guess we could sort of call this the good and the bad of Monday Night Raw and the good and the bad of SmackDown. But the interesting thing is, for some of you out there, you might think one segment is good and some other people may think that it was bad. Case in point, the opening of this episode, Kerwin White. Do you find that a good segment or a bad segment? I, I love the theme music, don't get me wrong, but if you consider that segment bad because of the racist you know, storyline behind it, all right, you call that the bad part of Raw. Well, then this would be the good part of Raw. We had a tag team match. It was Kurt Angle and Carlito versus Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels. Now, remember, last week they had the six-man tag, Shawn Michaels and John Cena, and a mystery partner which turned out to be the return of Hulk Hogan. That was only one week earlier. So the following week, we have a tag team match on Raw. It's Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels teaming up once again to take on Kurt Angle and Carlito. And this happened. Carlito now and Angle have built significant offensive momentum here on Shawn Michaels. Michaels trying to cover up, but Carlito's like a, he's so pugnacious, tenacious, and a near fall. I mean, just look at the man go. Look at Carlito go. What an intercontinental champion. What a cool guy. You're right. Carlito is on a roll right now. Oh. Carlito beat Shelton Benjamin, the intercontinental champ, for eight months and a day. I tell you what, it didn't take Carlito long to make an impact. And what an impact it would make if he could defeat Shawn Michaels and Hogan, Hogan right here live Oh, tonight. that would be huge. He's already mocking the hookster over there. <laughs> I love it. No doubt about that. It would be a, a significant day, a huge day. July 4, 2005. Oh, man. Apron, that elbow, the point of that elbow, right on the throat, maybe the stir. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Behind the referee's back, Carlito took in the air out of Shawn Michaels. The few that runs these athletes has called oxygen. It just got robbed of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, look at Carlito. I mean, he and Kurt Angle are working like a well-oiled machine. You almost, you'd almost think they had done this before. Yeah. Crowd getting behind Shawn Michaels, trying to wheel Shawn Michaels back into this contest, and perhaps trying to wheel Shawn Michaels to, to a tag with Hulk Hogan. Oh, this is not going to be good for Shawn. Oh, suplex. There you go. There you go. Hook the leg, and another near fall. Back suplex by Kurt Angle, two-time NCAA champion, Olympic gold medal winner in 1996. Kurt Angle felt that that should have been a three count. Let the referee know about it. Hard Irish whip again, focusing on the back of Shawn Michaels. That's the object of the uh, destruction. Carlito's got a mean streak, there's no doubt about that. Very talented. And look at Michaels using the tag team rope to choke. Angle using the tag team rope to choke Michaels. How smart are these two together, Carlito and Kurt Angle? It's beautiful. Now trying to fight back out. He's trying to fight out of the corner as best he can. But it's Carlito. Suplex by Carlito. Cover again. Couldn't hook the leg, but that lower back of Michaels has taken a pounding. Tag made. Well, as cool as Carlito is, he looks like a little bit of frustration showing on his face there when he couldn't put Shawn Michaels away. Snap suplex by Kurt Angle, and Angle now that also modified bear hook there. Squeezing up. Michaels, Michaels having a hard time exhaling. The one thing I can't understand, Coach, is how, you know, uh, Kurt Angle promised that he was going to snap somebody's ankle, but he's as yet has even, not even gone for anything. Come on, he's just trying to wear him down. Don't question Kurt Angle's wisdom. Oh. And it's Moxie. And Angle could hit that ankle lock at any time, any place, on anybody. We, know, we all know that. And oh. Michaels, uh -oh. Michaels looking for a drop kick, did not find it. 
So now we move over to SmackDown, the good and bad of SmackDown. Now, look, some of you out there may not think it's a big deal. I thought it was, and I know a lot of people at the time, after what JBL did to Blue Mania at one night stand, 
they straightened things out. And this week on SmackDown, a wrong was righted. Blue Meanie actually defeated JBL in a no DQ match on SmackDown. Okay. We go to the bad part now. I was going to play the match. You got to watch it. There's no way to really just play it because you have to see the visual to understand why not only was this one of the dopiest things that WWE's ever done on SmackDown, but in all actuality, it pretty much, pun intended, killed the Muhammad Hassan character. This week, in 2005, there was a bombing in London by terrorists, killed 50 people. On SmackDown, they had a match. Yes, it was edited out in the UK, you know, the same night. But here in the United States, it wasn't. There was a match between Undertaker and Davari. After the match was over, because Davari was just totally destroyed, you had um, these men with camouflage pants and black attire and ski masks on, and they pick up Davari and they carry him out of the ring almost like a martyr. On top of it... You have Muhammad Hassan putting the Undertaker in the camel clutch in the ring. And when you watched all of this together, it felt like they were trying to simulate almost an attempted beheading of Undertaker and carrying out um, Davari like a martyr, almost like someone who sacrificed his body. The same day as this bombings, even if the bombings did not happen. It was just too over the top, in my opinion, just way over the top. And as you will learn, I think the following week from now or two weeks from now, uh, they were forced to take Muhammad Hassan's character off of television. UPN did not want Muhammad Hassan on TV anymore. For fans out there that, that were not watching WWE in 2005, I'm telling you, people that were just angry at WWE stupidity because the Muhammad Hassan character, I will say this, in all the years that have passed, whenever we do like a little poll or we ask a question on the show once in a while, like of all the wrestlers from yesteryear who probably could still wrestle, who's the one person you'd like to see back? And almost every time we do that poll, Muhammad Hassan wins it. And just what they did this week was just unnecessary, over the top. You know, God bless Kevin Dunn for doing everything he can to try to say, you know, we're proud. It's entertainment. We're in the entertainment business. Let the fucking thing, you know, carry out. You know, things should be taken in tongue in cheek. Nah, man, that that is just way out of line. And that happened this week in 05 couple other tidbits. Ric Flair had his autobiography out, To Be The Man. It was released this week in 05, and it peaked, uh, debuted, I should say, uh, number five on a New York Times bestseller list. Pretty impressive. Not so impressive is this week, and you know, look, the following week there was like one or two names added, but we'll just throw the list up there right now. Same week that all this disaster went down with WWE with the Muhammad Hassan stuff, Following wrestlers were released. Buck Jindrak, Maven, Shannon Moore, Akio, Gangrel, Billy Kidman, Spike Dudley, Mordecai, well, Kevin Furtick at the time, Jackie Gaeta. No, I think they called him Mordecai at the time. Excuse me. Jackie Gaeta, Matt Morgan, Dawn Marie. We'll get back to Dawn Marie in a second. Joy Giovanni, Kenzo Suzuki and Hiroko, Jim Cornette. 
Pretty big deal. Now, uh, Dawn Marie would end up suing WWE at the time. She was pregnant. Wrongful termination. They settled out of court, but I'll tell you, she had a very strong case at the time. Um, they knew she was pregnant, and they let her go while she was pregnant. It's a big no-no, especially today. No, no, no. Cannot do that. 2006. All right. We have WWE's version of ECW now on TV only a few weeks. You know, of course, you know, you got the zombie, you got Nacho Libre, and you know, all this other shit going on. But there was a lot of highlights as well. Sabu was still tearing it up. RVD was tearing it up. Fans were still rabid. They were into the Sandman. You could see where they would absolutely enjoy the ECW aspect of it, but shit on you know the sci-fi part of it. But still, it was only a few weeks old. So you figured, okay, you know, this could be tweaked, and maybe WWE will start taking away some of the goofiness. And then uh, after a WWE event, Sabu and Rob Van Dam were arrested. Now, RVD at the time was the ECW champion and the WWE champion. RVD was getting a crazy push. What happens? He's driving 73 and a 55. They pull them over. He's got marijuana. Apparently, Sabu has some drug paraphernalia in the vehicle. And um, although, you know, after everything was done with court, you know, they weren't, you know, they didn't have some crazy shit in the car. But, um, and even the Vicodin that RVD had in the car, he had a prescription for. But still, the fact that WWE uh, has their WWE champion and ECW champion arrested. And then not only that, footage of his arrest pops up online. Now, I have the audio, it only runs about a minute. But if you just want to listen to it, you know, you could make out the audio. You know, the cop sounds like he has no idea who Rob Van Dam with Sabu are. He doesn't follow pro wrestling. But here's the actual uh, pullover of RVD. And it cuts off right when uh, the officer says, I, I think he got any drugs in the car. Yeah, the speed limit's 55. I checked your speed at 73. Oh, I thought it was 65. Okay. I was We were wrestling in... Uh, Huntington tonight, not a way to close it. Who are you wrestling for? WWE. Is that right? Nobody else. <laughs> I don't follow wrestling. No, I just mean we're like, you know. Somebody on TV or, or something? Yeah, world champion. What, what do you go by? Rob Van Dam, RVD. Oh, okay, I've heard of you. Yeah. What's your name, Ball? Sad Moves. Sad Moves. It's 55, man. Yeah, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. I thought it was 65. You're rolling pretty hard. I don't need to do that. No. Always drive with your shirt off? <laughs> it was very hot leaving the area. No, I don't. You wrestled tonight? So yeah, just a few minutes ago. Do you have any marijuana, gun, crimes, drugs, anything like that in the vehicle? Well, can you explain to me why your car smells like dope? So now both guys are arrested. And... Unlike what WWE thought in 87 that, you know, media wouldn't pick up on Duggan and Sheik's arrest, they were picking up on this story. It was a major fucking story. And not only did WWE have to suspend both guys, but RVD's got these Robbie Two Belts. What do we do? Again, makes you wonder what different direction ECW would have taken 
if RVD and Sabu never got arrested that night. Do not, you know, write this off as no big deal. Trust me, when you realize what happened forward, because in my opinion, it felt like WWF was only going to focus on the people that they trusted. That although a lot of these wrestlers have been around for a while, and yes, RVD was in a WWE guy for several years, but they just went to their go-to guys that they knew they would have no problems with. So let's do this in order. Now we know shit's going down. We just wonder how it's going to go down. First, we got Monday Night Raw. They announce we're going to have a three-way match for the WWE Championship. It's going to be John Cena versus Edge versus RVD, and this is what happened. The WWE Championship is on the line. We are live in Philadelphia, and the champion Rob Van Dam just cut toss outside. Remember, in this match, the first man to score pinfall and submission wins the match. Okay, Rob's in the driver's seat now. One way or the other. Come on, Edge. Come on, Cena. We've got 15,933 fans settling out the Wachovia Center here in Philadelphia. Cena now, building momentum. John Cena taking down Edge. Time and time again. The shoulder block. WWE time on stake here. Cena feels it. What do These ECW fans don't feel it, but I don't care right now. The Raw fans have been ground out by the ECW fans, but Cena doesn't give a damn. He's here to win the WWE title. That's what it's all about. Five knuckle shuffle. Cena buries a big right hand right into the face. Dear life here to the top row. Oh my god! Edge F U to the outside. Lita! And Lita! Do it in the ring! Lita with a steel tear! No! There's no disqualification! No, don't do it! And Cena with the F U on Edge's girlfriend, Lita! What in the world? My god, it's all breaking! Oh! Ben Daminator! The steel tear to the face! All legal! No disqualification! This is bad! This is really bad! Snatch the title hard away from Cena.
Edge has won the WWE Championship. Looking for Lita. John Cena for the FU. And this match won. I don't give a damn about Lita King. Neither does Edge. It looks like all he's worried about is the fact that he is the new WWE Champion. Look at this. The FU delivered. It was over. It was over over until Cena got beheaded. RVD's still the ECW champ, at least. So we now go later in the week, ECW on Sci-Fi, and it opens up with this promo from Paul Heyman. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Paul Heyman. And yes, unfortunately, it is true. Last night on Monday Night Raw, Rob Van Dam did lose the WWE title in a most controversial fashion. But please be rest assured, Rob Van Dam is still your ECW World Heavyweight Champion. A champion, I might add, that has subjected himself to a schedule that no title holder before him has ever had to endure. Last week, for example, Rob Van Dam, on three consecutive nights, stepped in the ring with Edge, John Cena, and Kurt Angle. Last night on Monday Night Raw, Van Dam stepped in the ring with Edge and Cena at the same time. This champion, your ECW champion, has displayed more pride, more passion, more ambition than any champion that's ever come before him. And tonight on ECW, we're going to proudly acknowledge Rob Van Dam's accomplishments. Because...
that if I made the jump to ECW, I would get a title match. And you will. You will get your title match, but, but show, here in ECW, the priority has always been ECW. And right now, our champion, Rob Van Dam, needs our support. Paulie, understand me. I'm not asking. I'm demanding my title match. And I'm demanding my title match tonight. All right. Later on in the night, we got Big Show versus RVD for the ECW title. We talked last week how Big Show was shitted out of the ECW arena. Nothing against him personally. Fans did not want Big Show in ECW. So we now have a match later on in the night. Hey, you know, maybe this is going to get squashed. Maybe, you know, the arrest wasn't as big of a deal. RVD had a valid prescription for Viking and other stuff. It's not like he was... This is what happened. The Big Show has smothered Rob Van Dam since this matchup began, Taz. Well, smother's a good word. That's exactly what's going down here. I didn't expect this. I really didn't. But Big Show brought his A-game here. Big Show demanded this match and got it. And Rob Van Dam would not back out from the challenge. Oh, no, no. Look at this. A bear hook now, Joe. Oh, my God. That is an excruciating, painful maneuver. Look at this. Van Dam bent up in half. Now look at this, another one. Oh no, a backbreaker. And Big Show not letting Rob Van Dam up, instead continuing to try to hyperextend the spine of Rob Van Dam. Then a Big Show systematically picking apart the body, specifically the spinal cord, it looks like, of Rob Van Dam, the champion. Wow. You mentioned the ECW World Heavyweight Championship means everything to Rob Van Dam. Has, I'll make this point. Arguably, Rob Van Dam is prouder of being the ECW World Heavyweight Champion than perhaps he was of being the WWE Champion. He well, said right, tonight well, he was still on yeah. top of the world being the ECW Champion. Well, you're right. Well, right now, Van Dam's got to do a lot to try and hang on to the ECW title. And those knees just might do it for Van Dam. Very impactful knees to the temple of the Big Show. But again, Rob Van Dam still may not have printed enough uh -oh, distance whoa, 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 to put himself in the big shot. Uh-oh, speed now. Ow! Finally now, Rob Van Dam looking to chop down the seven-foot Redwood that is the big shot. Took the words out of my mouth, Redwood, and you're dead on with that. Yeah, that's what I've been waiting for. That's the Van Dam that I know it. I'm telling you. Now Van Dam. Five-star, maybe? Five-star frogs, please. Maybe that's coming. But can, but can Rob Van Dam even pull himself up to the top turnbuckle? He's taking so much abuse at the massive hands and feet of the big show. Well, now, where the hell's Van Dam going? What the hell's this? Oh. <laughs> Almost know wow. that a low cross butt and a low drop kick. Van Dam so fast. Here it is, Joe. Bam! Rolling Thunder! Rolling Thunder connects Rob Van Dam using all of his 
135 pounds, and now Rob Van Dam coming in. So here we go. Impressive power on that kick out by the Big Show. What do you call it a kick out? He didn't even kick, he just bench pressed RVD and tossed him. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. And Rob Van Dam now trying to utilize those kicks late in the matchup, but is it too little too late? Oh, look at oh, this. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Oh, I never seen anyone do that to Van Dam. Just made Big Show just manhandled Rob Van Dam. Put him in midair like a Let's reiterate, Joe, there's no such thing as a count-out in, in an extreme rules match as this is. Look at this power here, Joey. Holy smokes. Well, there's no count-out. Big Joe can simply go out after Rob Van Dam. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Oh, no. Oh, man. He's got the... Remember, no disqualifications either. Taz an extreme whoa, 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 whoa. Oh! Oh! Oh, man. What a backfire there. Big Joe's skull. His skull caught the edge of those steel steps. Taz, you've been caught in a skull with those steel steps. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I didn't get up. But, yeah, but now Rob Van Dam's got the advantage, though. Can he capitalize? Can Van Dam zone in for the kill? Oh, my God. Caught in there. Oh, man. Big Show took it right away from him. What has Van Dam got to do to take down the Big Show? I wouldn't have believed that unless I was here at ringside and saw it on live television. Uh, hey, Good, let's see it again. Look at this. I mean, unbelievable the power and strength. And he's a giant, Joe. I mean, Big Show's just a massive giant. That was unreal. Rob Van Dam weighs 235 pounds, and the Big Show caught RVD oh. in midair. And now you see Van Van Dam. Oh, oh, oh. Wait a okay, equalizer coming. All legal again. Extreme rules. All good in the hood here with this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, he swatted it down. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Jump slam. Jump slam. Big show on top. Jump slam. Rob Van Dam gets the shoulder up. He no. Kicked out? He kicked out. It was close. Referee Mike Posey says no. Oh, what the hell? Wait a minute. No, 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 no. no. Again, extreme rules, but now what? Well, Big Show can't be disqualified, but he also can't win the ECW World Championship with, without an official. We need a referee or something here. Uh-oh. Oh, Van Dam is in trouble here. Big Show's got... What the... Oh! How the hell did he do that? How the hell did he do that? That's what I'm saying. How did Van Dam... I never seen him like that.
just witnessed here? What the hell did we witness? I can't believe what I just the saw. The winner of this match and new ECW World Heavyweight Champion, The Big Show. We have a new ECW champion. What the hell just happened here? Man? Let, let me get this straight. Paul Heyman, the evil genius of Extreme Championship Wrestling, just, just backstabbed his own champion? I mean, did Paul Heyman just double-cross RVD? I, I cannot believe what we witnessed. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. You're shocked. How about these? How about these ECW faithful in South Philadelphia? We've got near riot conditions here in South Philly. We have a new ECW World Heavyweight Champion, and I cannot believe the way this unfolded. I cannot believe this. Paul Heyman, you son of a bitch. I, 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 and as I have said a few times in the past, WWE had to tweak the camera angle when Big Show won the belt because there was so much garbage and debris that was thrown in the ring when Big Show won that title. They didn't want to show the garbage. They, you saw one split second of what the garbage looked like, and you could just picture the production crew. No, 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 get that fucking camera off. It was a disaster. And that arrest, in my opinion, just totally fucked up WWE's version of ECW. Totally fucked it up. 2008, Mickey Knuckles, who had recently made her debut in TNA as Moose. She's wrestling in IWA Mid-South. It's amazing. It's been that many years already. She was fighting Sarah Del Rey. Went for a dive, landed the wrong way, broke her leg. Uh, very, you know, uneasy footage. A lot of people compare it to Sid Vicious. Um, she would have a lot of surgeries on her leg. She would lose a deal with TNA. And, um, you know, she was never the same. Also, 2008, Trevor Murdoch released from WWE. And also, we had the closing of a business venture by Ric Flair. I, I was looking for a commercial for it. I couldn't find any. But I did find a screenshot. In September of 07, Ric Flair, in an attempt to... Get money because we now know about all his financial problems, even, you know, currently. Maybe not as bad now as before, but in September of 07, he opens up a financial business called Ric Flair Finance. Oh, what does he, what does that do? Well, you're looking for a loan, a house, your car, your business. Basically, Ric Flair Finance will find a loan for you. They'll secure a loan, decent rates. And obviously, Ric Flair Finance gets a commission from the loan company. Well, not even a year later, this week in 2008, Ric Flair Finance, say that 10 times, filed for bankruptcy. Belly up. 2009, Edge, while wrestling a house show in San Diego, California, tears his, uh, tears his Achilles tendon, um, fighting Jeff Hardy. And, um, you know, he was out of action for quite some time after that. Uh, jumping all the way up to 2011, controversy. You know, CM Punk recently had an incident with a fan. And uh, look, this audio is online. I've shared it before. No need to share it again. But CM Punk, you know, getting heat from fans at ringside, called somebody a homo. Can't do that. 
especially uh, when you have Glad around. And they not only forced um, WWE's hand on this, but, you know, WWE put their, you know, their generic but definitely sincere statement. We do not condone this type of language. And we, we reinforce that with our talent. And they added, who, by the way, are independent contractors. Yeah. Because obviously they wanted to make it sound like that they're not WWE employees. But, you know, WWE played off that they were going to reprimand CM Punk and, you know, take action. Glad wasn't happy. They felt that they need a little bit more. WWE then tells Glad, oh, wait, but CM Punk's contract is expiring in a few weeks. And um, he may not be immediately. Oh, not good. Not good. I agree for anybody out there is going to say that. CM Punk should have never said in the first place. I, I I agree. But the way WWE tried to handle it did not go all that well. 2012 TNA has Destination X from Orlando, Florida. In a four-way match to determine the final qualifier for the TNA X Division Championship Tournament. Less is more, TNA. Too much of these. When you need to fucking have more than five words or six words to describe a stipulation. I know that doesn't sound all that bad, but... You know, we've talked about some of them in the past. Anyway, Mason Andrews defeats Dakota Darso, Lars Only, and Rubik's. In the X Division semifinal matches, Mason Andrews over Kid Cash, Kenny King over Douglas Williams, Sonjay Dutt over Rashad Cameron, and Zima Ion over Flip Casanova. In a Bound for Glory series match, you had Samoa Joe over Kurt Angle. Last man standing match, AJ Styles over Christopher Daniels. The Ultimate X match, the final for the vacant TNA X Division title. Zima Ion wins the belt, defeating Kenny King, Mason Andrews, and Sanjay Dutt. Main event, Austin Aries defeats Bobby Roode to become the new TNA World Heavyweight Champion. 2012, Armando Alejandro Estrada released from WWE. 2013, what was that 70s TV show where somebody would always say, you fool, not fool. F-O-O-L, but like F-O-O. You fool. Well, Jimmy Snooker, you fool. The year before, he releases his autobiography, and he fucking talks about the Nancy Argentino death. And it not only reopens a lot of wounds, considering it being the 30th anniversary of her passing, but um, people started to re-examine some of the uh, contradicting claims from back then to now. So we learned this week that the district attorney was going to reopen or take a fresh look at the case. And obviously we know what transpired next. Same week, TNA releases Taylor Hendricks, Joey Ryan, Christian York, and Crimson. Cost cutting. WWE suspends Ricardo Rodriguez for violating the WWE wellness program uh, for the first time. TNA had their one night only hardcore justice to event, pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it. LAX over the Disciples of the New Church in a street fight. In a hardcore knockouts match, ODB over Jackie Moore. In a ladder match for a check for $20,000. Yeah, okay. Uh, Bad Influence, which was Christopher Daniels and Kazarian, defeat Generation Me, Jeremy and Max Buck. In a hardcore gauntlet battle royal, Sharkboy defeats Crimson, Gunner, Little Guido, Sam Shaw, Funaki, Johnny Swinger, Two Cold Scorpio, and Devin Storm. Six-man hardcore elimination tag team match, James Storm, Magnus, and Bob Holly defeat 
Aces and Eights, which was Doc West Briscoe and Nux. In a Monsters Ball match, Joseph Park defeats Judas Macias. And a tables match, Jeff Hardy and Brother Runt over Team 3D. And oh yeah, wrapping up 2013, we had the WWE TV debut of this group. I have no followers. I have only brothers and sisters, all in the name of cause. People are sheep. You understand me? They can't lead themselves. They need to be led. People buy and sell fear. They worship war. They crave war. But I'm not afraid of their wars. I created war. And I think it's time for the masses to wake up. Wake up. Wake up! Wake up and look at this line they're living in, man! The world is deteriorating between their toes. And they do nothing about it. They only stand there. They whisper and wonder, but they never do anything about it. But I've seen it all in my dreams and in my thoughts. And above everything else, I understand this is not the beginning. (laughs) Stand.
2014, you know, this week, if you're a friend of Emma and you're around her, you probably don't want to, like, show her an iPad. Because this week in 14 was the controversy featuring her and an iPad and Walmart. For those that maybe newer fans didn't know what happened at the time, eh, she's working for WWE, she goes to a Walmart, wants to buy an iPad case. Somehow she forgets to pay for it, walks out, gets busted. Gets arrested, charged with six-degree larceny, shoplifting. WWE immediately fires her. Causes an uproar because, number one, a lot of people are like, wow, you know, you're fucking firing her over this. Look at some of the shit that other people on the roster did that you fucking didn't do anything about. Second thing was, when you started to hear more details, it seemed like, you know what, she legitimately fucking had a brain fart and just forgot to pay for it. So... Within an hour, WWE issues another statement saying, hey, you know, after further evaluating everything, we've reinstated her, but, you know, if, you know, she violated the law, we'll take, you know, proper action and blah, 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 and the rest is history. Unbelievable. I still remember that. That was a big deal. I mean, uh, power of the internet got her a job back. Wrapping up 2014, TNA had their one night only Pay-per-view, Global Impact Japan. This was a Wrestle 1 TNA super show that actually took place in Tokyo. Bad influence over Koji Kanemoto and Minoru Tanaka. Gail Kim over Madison Rain. Abyss and Yoshihiro Takayama, they went to a no contest. Masakatsu Funaki over Bobby Roode. In a six-man tag match, the great Muda, Taiokea, and Rob Terry defeats Masayuki Kono, Rene Dupree, and Samoa Joe. In a three-way tag team match for the TNA tag titles, the Bromans defeat the Wolves, who were the champs at the time, and Team 246, Kaz Hayashi and Shuji Kondo. So now the Bromans are the tag champs. Singles match for the X Division title, Sonata wins the belt, defeating Austin Aries. Six-man tag team steel cage match, the great Muta, Yasu, and Sonata over Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, and Chris Sabin. Main event for the TNA World Heavyweight title, Magnus retains the title, defeating Kai. 2015, New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion, 7.5 goes down in Osaka. Dark match, 10-man tag, Manabu Nakanishi, Mas- Mascara Dorada, Ryuzuki Taguchi, Sho Tanaka, and Yuji Nagata over Hiroshi Tenzan, Jushin Dunnelager, Satoshi Kojima, Tiger Mask, and Yohi Komatsu. The Young Bucks retained the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles, defeating the teams of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly and Beretta and Rocky Romero. You had Tetsuya Naito and Tomokai Honma over Bullet Club's Bad Luck Fale, even though some people say fail, and Yohiro Takahashi. You had Katsuyori Shibata over Katsushi Sakuruba. For the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, Kushida wins the belt, defeating Kenny Omega. For the never open weight championship, Toji Makabe uh, retains defeating Tomohiro Ishii. IWGP tag team titles, Bullet Club, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson. They defeat the kingdom of Matt Taven and Michael Bennett to win the titles. You had Hiroshi Tanahashi over Toriano. Hiroki Goto retains the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, defeating Shinsuke Nakamura. And the main event. 
for the IWGP heavyweight title. Okada defeats AJ Styles to win the belt. 2016, I wish I could play it, man, but it goes so goddamn long, but it's still one of my favorites to this day. Yeah, I invite anybody out there, go look at what some podcasters uh, said about the final deletion when it first went down. You'd be shocked at some of the people who you listen to today who just totally, totally fucking trashed it. Um, I know myself, I loved it. I, when they started doing these segments, some of them was so bad that it was good. I thought this was creative. And I know a lot of you out there felt the same way. But the only reason why I bring that up is because you'd be surprised how many people trashed this when it first went down. Trashed it. I thought it was great. And finally, for this week in history, we will end on an audio clip. But first, Global Force Wrestling had Slammiversary 15 from Orlando. Yes, remember, in between TNA and Impact Wrestling, we had Global Force. Remember that? In a four-way match for not only the Impact World Tag Team titles, but the Global Force Wrestling Tag Team titles. LAX defeat Drago and El Hijo del Fantasma, Garza Jr. and Laredo Kid, and Naomichi Marafuchi and Taichi Ishimori. So they now are the holders of both belts, LAX. D'Angelo Williams and Moose defeat Chris Adonis and Eli Drake. In his trap match, Ethan Carter III defeats James Storm. No DQ match, Joseph Park and Jeremy Borash defeat Scott Steiner and Josh Matthews. Remember that shit? Uh, intergender tag team full metal mayhem match. Aisha Edwards and Eddie Edwards over Angelina Love and Davey Richards. You had two out of three falls match for the Impact X Division Championship. Sunjay Dutt retains, defeating Loki. Sienna of Global Force Wrestling defeats Rosemary of Impact in a unification match to unify the Global Force Wrestling and the Impact Wrestling's knockouts titles. And in the main event, the unification match to unify the Global Force Wrestling Global Championship and the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship. Alberto El Patron defeats... Lashley. Now Alberto has both belts. And I guess we can end with this. Who could ever forget this going down on SmackDown this week in 2017? It's funny how WWE had to race to edit it out, which to me was just absolutely dumb because once people realized that it was edited, they wanted to see it more. I mean, look, we all, when we grow up, and something you're not allowed to see or not allowed to have, doesn't that make you want it more? Sometimes you got to play devil's advocate. You got to play fucking reverse psychology. Blow it off like no big deal, blah, 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 blah. People would have talked about it for a day or two and forgot about it. But nope, WWE had to edit the shit out and people wanted to see it even more. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this went down on SmackDown this week in 2017. The rap battle featuring the Usos versus the New Day. Oh, by the way, unedited. Smrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
before the new day existed, dark matches and pre-shows is all you get. Whoa. Now he gets, whoa. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. So say thanks to the cats who let you mice eat more than crumbs. We should call you Chucky Cheeks. What? Chucky Cheeks? Cause you're bums. Sitting up here. Speaking of butts, say hi your pops. Rikishi? Cause even Rikishi knows New Day Rocks. Remember, keep, keep it clean though, cause I, look, I see how you looking over there. Yeah, okay. What you got, Us? Oh, we gonna get him. I said this. The Usos and New Day and the rap off. I was like, it can't be. What the hell are they gonna talk about, Us? Oh no, unicorns and stampedes. What we gonna talk about, Us? Siggy's, double D's. How you look like Whoopi and how you say you five five, but you really five three. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about that later. Hey, hold it down. Hey, hold it down. Hold it down. Hey, we'll talk about that later, but right now, welcome to the Uso Penitentiary. I ain't gonna lie. Big E, you so predictable. I knew you was gonna talk about Rikishi. Hey, everybody know who our pops is, but do they know about yours, E? Nope. Our pops booty made millions. What about yours, E? I mean, damn, bro. Is that supposed to be chest or breast, bro? Is it supposed to be... Real or silicone? I mean, we done asked everybody all around the world, and they still don't know. Yeah. Hey, Big E, let's just keep it PG. You know what's good. Just don't get all rated R like your boy Xavier Woods. What's, what's happening? Something's happening. Yo, yo, yo. Don, 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 DeMarco. Don, 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 DeMarco. Don, 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 DeMarco. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, stop it. It's not, no, 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 it's not over though. Now you, it ain't over. You gotta let you gotta... I said, I said, Big E, let's just keep it PG. You know what's good. Let's just not get all ready to like your boy Xavier your Wood. You can't, you, I don't know about you the You don't twice. already know, it ain't paranoia, it's the Usos, round one. You got it, let's go. Okay, that, I'm, I'm sweating. I, I don't know why I'm sweating. I'm sweating a little bit right now. Just... I got it, I got it, I got it. I got still, it. We good, we good. I got okay, it, hold good. it down, hold it down, hold it down. Jimmy Uso, we call him Jim. Looking like he's never been or ever worked out at a gym. <laughs> That goes for you, too. You're his twin. <laughs> Look, when you have abs that pop, pop, you can rock a crop top. Y'all need to make like red hexagons and stop, stop. <laughs> hey, do you, you, think, you think they even know what hexagons are? Probably not. Probably not, not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they both dropped out of college. <laughs> so, I mean, come on. You know, hey, hey, come hey, on, no. dropouts. You know what I'm saying? Hold up, hold up, hold it down, hold it down. Y'all ain't got no abs, no cuts. You ain't buffing. Oh, look at those bellies. Muffin tops. 
now I see him getting irked. Look, I ain't trying to be a jerk. Just tell me why you came to work and started wrestling in shirts. <laughs> why? Why you did that? It's getting pressed. Hold, 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 hold it down. Hold it down. I know why. I know why. I know why. I know why. Hold on. Hold on. Because y'all got that first trimester pooch. What's that mean for you two? Means y'all are rocking weenie do. Y'all, explain. Y'all don't know about weenie do. They don't know about weenie do. That's when your gut hangs out more than your weenie do. Wow. Wow. Okay. 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 That's you. That's you. Y'all. Okay. Let's go. It's on me. Y'all ready? That's you. Happy Fourth, guys. Jamaican? Nah, you was Jamaican, but he stayed in the lane. Hold it down. Nah, hold it down. Hey, he gonna get this work. He gonna get this work. Y'all hold it down. We don't need it. Ain't you Kofi Kingston? Hey, Oos, wasn't you Jamaican? Nope, you was Jamaican, but he stayed in the lane. Ran around the whole world giving Jamaicans a bad name. I mean, muffin top, crop top, that's the best you got, boy. Your forehead look like a back of a hand. If Ron Simmons was here right now, he'd probably step to you and be like, Damn! Got a little too close. Hey, the, the super kicker, sharpshooter. It's the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. But when it hit, it's finishing. I hit you with this fatality. Hey, this is fairy tale versus reality. Salvation over a massacre. The only brothers I ever win. Back to back, Grammy, Slammy Award winning on the calendar. Hey. You touch us, I'm swinging like an axe. Paul Bunyan flow. I got my blue ox behind me. We yell timber. The only way you gonna beat us tonight, you had to go get a fourth New Day member. Hey, 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 I'm impartial. I'm impartial. Hey, I'm impartial. Hey, don't put me in. Hey, you cool though. Okay. Hey, you all right, Oos. Okay. But you keep running with this fools. It's gonna be a hostile situation. I'm telling you, Wale, you keep running with these fools. You're gonna end up like hospital patients. Hey, the rap battle is ours. We got the bars. Yeah. You already know though. It's not paranoia, Oos. It's the Oos. Let's go. Hey, y'all. Y'all twins, y'all share the same brain, so that's not really... I got this, I got this, I got this. Okay, now it ain't, it ain't over. We got one more. We can now y'all... Mega Rand, Mega Rand, hold my trombone. Take him home, Bring it home, bring it home. The New Day always says, dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. That's why we came fresh and clean, looking like a million bucks. And y'all two came dressed as some recently divorced dads. Now, Jim, 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 you and your brother, you're tag champs. You turned the universe into believers. Mm -hmm. But please always remember, you were absolutely nothing till your wife put you on Total Divas. Listen, listen, hold it down, hold it down. 
Y'all both used to wear face paint, mm -hmm. bright colors, mm -hmm. you know, like showmen. And then all of a sudden, oh man, you saw the new day coming up on the horizon looking like a bad omen. Mm. And you boys, the new day, we some warriors with no masters. Call us Ronin. Slow it down. I said we don't use our cell phones when we're international because that's roaming. Slow it down. I said y'all should get back to doing what you do best and that's carrying bags for who? Suspended last time. You know what? Disqualified. Y'all disqualified. Y'all get off. Get out my ring. Y'all disqualified. The winners of the rap battle. New day. Oh, Wale made a decision. Wale lost his shoe. This got personal in a hurry. Yeah, to rap. Rap battle that cut deep beneath the surface. As a rec, rap expert myself, I really thought that was so fun. expert? Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Vince McMahon Sr., Rufus R. Jones, Ray Mendoza, Moose Murawski, Hercules Cortez, Smasher Sloan, Gene Murphy, Guy Mitchell, El Supremo, Tony Lanza, Mike Thomas, Whipper Watson Jr., Roland Kirchmeyer, Salem Moran, Pierdoth, Little Tokyo, Yvonne Gomez, Charlie Peterson, Ben Sherman, Angelo Castoldi, Lionel Balagaran, Bob Sweetan, Benito Gardini, Shinya Hashimoto, and Doc Dean. El Conde Negro turns 96. Tomas Marin turns 85. Wayne Bridges, 83. Thunderbolt Patterson, 79. Luis Mar Mariscal, 71. Hillbilly Jim and Mondo Guerrero turn 67. Happy birthday to Bret Hart. He turned 62. El Torero turned 60. Sid Vicious and Barry Windham are 59. El Mochicano is 58. Bracus and Reyes Veloz are 57. Jerry Seggs and Hisakatsu Oya, along with Charles Robinson and Rick Terras, are 55. Zombrita and Romeo Valentino turn 51. The Great Sasuke is 50. Don Fuji, Kaiko Iwami, Amy Weber, and Yoshihisa Yamamoto turn 49. J.C. Ice and Antifaz Del Norte are 48. Tetsuhito Taikawa and Kenichiro Arai turn 47. Scotty Tuhati, Joe Gomez, Desire, and Mark Mest turn 46. Harishima and Katsuki Yamada are 45. Konkuro Hoshina, Johnny Swinger, and Mr. Atlantis turn 44. Yu Yamagata and Corey Chavez are 43. Abraham Washington, Chikiro Nakano, Takashi Ishigo, El Moicano number two, Tigre Kota, Kei Sato, and Shu Sato are 42. Chucky Smooth and Mark Sloan turn 41. Asatio, Josh Prohibition, Ray Muerte, Brandon Blaze, and Millennium are 40. Aaron Idol, Momoi Nakanishi, and Hikaru Sato are 39. Luke Hawks, Dingo, Billy Kim, and Esperito Negro turn 38. Raz Mansour, Brian Idol, Tsunami, and Coco Mansour, along with Takashi Yoshida and Shana, 37. Dimitri Salatopoulos is 36. Deranged and Corvus Fia turn 35. Maki Naramiya, 
Quentin Hyde-Styles, Jesse Bell, and Yukihiro Abi turned 34. Terry Frazier, Rioni Fujiwara, and Psychotico is 33. Richie Steamboat is 32. Lars Sullivan, Oleg Diosurper, Vertigo, Tony Johnson, and Addy Starr are 31. Joey Janela, Adam Cole, and Katie Harvey turn 30. Musashi, Puma King, Alpha Kevin, and Marcel Barthel turn 29. Trent Gibson is 28. Leona, 26. And happy birthday to Yuka, who turns 21. Notable debuts this week in history. Buddy Rogers debuted in 1939. Larry Sharp in 74. Woman, God rest her soul, she debuted in 84. Joey Ryan in 2000, Crazy Steve in 2003, and Ted DiBiase Jr. in 2006. And finally, notable deaths this week, those who passed away this week in history. George McLeod, Steve Stanley, and Tiger Joe Robinson died at age 90. Jacques Rougeau Sr. at 89. Tito Coppa and Fred Bruno passed away at age 80. Frankie Costello and Ray Eckert died at age 79. Carl Von Brauner and Herman Iflin died at age 78. Mr. Moto, Waldo Von Erich, and Armin Stochigi died at age 75. Frankie Hart at 74. Al Mercier at 73. Smith Hart, 68. Jack Pesek, 66. The Medic died at age 64. Poncho the Bull at 62. Nate the Rat and Angelo Martinelli died at age 59. The Canadian Wild Man and Bill Canney died at 56. Chief Little Eagle and Diane Von Hoffman at 55. Pierita Morgan at 49. Mike DiBiase at 45. The Junkyard Dog at 44. I.K. Statenloss at 43. Victoria Ochoa at 41. Victor Arco at 40. Moondog Latham at 37. Adrian Adonis at 34. And Joey Morella passed away at age 31. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Week in Wrestling History. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD. The website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC Show. Remember, we have a Discord page up and running. Very interactive, 24-7, 365, and that's not a catchphrase. Check it out. Links are all over the place. My website, DonTony.com. And as always, if you like what we do, want to help support the shows, help keep these bills paid, keep the lights on, and keep these shows free for everyone, consider our Patreon page, patreon.com slash DonTony. Now, for as little as two bucks, you could sign up, get a lot of Patreon-exclusive content as a way of us saying thank you for the support. And whether you're there or not, thank you for the support. (laughs) I am DonTony. Enjoy this holiday week. I will return next week with Season 2 episode 28 of this week in wrestling history take care everyone be well i'll talk to you soon ciao tune out with nevia by moen the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water making it look sound and feel totally different learn more at moen.com nevia i'm enrolling in medicare soon and it had me a little confused then i found myhealthpolicy.com With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com.